Would you pray about it if I did the owl jokes like this? Yes. No, it doesn't. It is Hello, everybody, and welcome! And welcome. Welcome! Welcome to another episode of the Last Ones in Podcast. I am Dry Archuleta, joined by E. Hello. And Robbie. Hey. And Sam. Hey. And this week is another double feature. Um, where the theme is gratuitous nudity. Nudity. <laughs> um, a lot of newies in here. <laughs> so many newies. <laughs> um, the movies that we watched this week were Robbie presenting Perfect Blue, mm-hmm. and then I presented Ex Machina. The general theme that we were trying to go for is kind of mindfuckery. Yeah, so that's what we did. Uh, let's start off with just real quick asking how everyone's doing. Sam, how's it going? Going all right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Anything new happening in your world? Nope. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's just I'm a ex- well of information. <laughs> yep. I'm extremely boring. Like, this is my excitement. <laughs> this is, yeah. I, uh, one story I want to tell about you is that. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, you, can't, <laughs> you can't get permission for this? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Whether she was an e-breeder or not is out of the question. He got permission. Um, I think I finally made you turn the corner on HDR. Or not me, but something made you turn the corner on it. I guess so. Or made you realize that there is a difference, at least. I guess. Whatever. So you were playing RE8 on my PS5. Yeah. And it was super, like, washed out. Everything was super white and gross mm-hmm. looking. And I was like, what's up with this, Sam? What's going on in the settings? Can you go to that? <laughs> and HDR was off and ray tracing was off and the brightness was all the way up. Like, okay, Sam, we have to fix this. <laughs> like, it looks fine. I don't know what's wrong. It lo- it's like it's bright. Yeah, but like it's fine. Yeah, they busted out the GameCube. Actually, you started playing RE4. <laughs> <laughs> this That's is what it. this is supposed to look like. RE8 yeah. shit, right? <laughs> uh, went over to the main menu, turned HDR on, turned ray tracing on mm-hmm. went back into the game and sam's first comment was oh my god this game actually looks good <laughs> it's a little known fact that the r in hdr actually stands for resident evil 8 it was actually made for that video game specifically what does the high definition resident evil 8 yeah hdr created for high definition resident evil 8 also hdr does not stand for high definition sam it is it stands for howdy high definition resolution High dynamic range. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I just know I don't like HDR because it just makes everything light look even more light and it hurts it my eyes. Yeah, brights are real bright. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's painful. And you, I think we're learning a lot of things about how you view the world through this yeah. podcast. I think you're photosensitive. You definitely have face blindness. <laughs> so. Uh, the world of mystery yeah. being unfolded. Maybe one day I'll go to the doctor and get these things confirmed. <laughs> Doubt it. Anyway, Robbie, how are you doing? <laughs> I've had a weird week. Yeah, you were telling us before that it was kind of an odd week, but you wanted yeah. to tell us about it. Um, so last week, whenever I was actually coming back from the podcast, uh, went home, played on the computer for a bit, uh, started to like go to sleep, and I thought I heard like fireworks go off at 4 o'clock in the morning. And they weren't fireworks, were they? No, 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 they weren't. So, <laughs> what ended up happening is like I went to uh, 
I went to go like start my car and like you know I went to go unlock it and my lights blink whenever uh I turn my my lights tend to like blink whenever I unlock my car with the beeper uh-huh. and one of my tail lights wasn't turning on. I was like, oh okay, so the I guess the light burned out. So I opened up my trunk and I went to go check it and the light looked fine. And I looked at my trunk door and there's a bullet hole Jeez. going through my <laughs> trunk. Holy oh. fuck! Yeah. So those weren't fireworks. Uh, somebody shot up one of the apartments where I live at. Not in the building where I live in, but the building next to it. They shot up one of the uh, one of the houses. Nobody was hurt, by the way. I should That's probably good. should have started with that. But uh, yeah, my I, my car was parked out like right in front of where that building was, and one of the bu- bullets went through my trunk and then ripped through the wiring harness that goes to my back lights. What the fuck, Holy man! Fuck. Yeah, fucking Christ! Yeah. Did you tell your work, and they were like? get here anyways <laughs> <laughs> i told my work about it because uh i on that sunday i, I called the cops let them know what happened because like whenever I, I was like checking around my trunk and like moving stuff around to get to light i heard something go clunk and then whenever i saw the bullet hole i start i realized what it was and moved some other things around i found a slug in there so i was able to call the cops and like tell them what happened they took pictures they took the slug <laughs> oh my god Holy shit. Okay. yeah I know that's probably a term for like it's the, the bullet. Yeah. yeah. In my mind, you just found a slug in the back of you. <laughs> I was your searching trunk. through it. I saw the bullet hole. I found a slug. That was pretty cool. Anyway, I called the cops. Yeah, I, was like, what? I was like, what? What are the police gonna do? So I'm actually raising slugs in my trunk, which made it all the more concerning. Yeah, they're really startled by bullets. <laughs> but yeah, so that happened, and so I let them know on Sunday. I called my insurance company, and and they were like, "Fuck you." More or less. Oh, good. Yeah, because they're like, oh, well, this is covered by your insurance. However, it's a $500 deductible. So I was like, cool. Yeah, so I was like, cool. I guess I'm buying a soldering iron and I'm like fixing it myself. So like 85% got my lights fixed. (laughs) So basically, their solution was for this probably $300 fix, you could put down $500 and we might fix it. Well, yeah, if it costs more than $500, then they pay the rest. But I had to put down at least 500 bucks for that. What's the point of insurance companies? To steal your money. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I have bad luck when it comes to insurance companies. I know you do. You've told many a tales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also illegal to not let them steal your money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is also stupid, but... It's so garbage. <laughs> I mean, the one time that insurance wasn't stealing my money and I was riding a bike around everywhere, my mom was, like, super concerned about me. So I got a car and let, you know, insurance fuck me some more. Yeah, they've been doing a great job at fucking you. Yeah. I just wish they used lube. <laughs> yeah, you should really stop going to the BDSM store for insurance. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> uh, that happened. Um, and my mom, speaking of my mom, she actually came. Oh, wait, no. That's so weird. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> you started this for code all the way, buddy. <laughs> So my mom and my grandma actually came to visit on Tuesday, and that was like the day that I had to like try to fix my trunk because I I still have to go to work. Yeah, yeah. And but you know I need should probably go to work with my taillights working. Yeah, it's illegal yeah. to not have those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like sitting back there. I went and I bought a wireless um, soldering iron. I just started soldering the wires back together, and that's why I'm saying I got like eighty percent done because like. All of them except for like one of the stoplights doesn't work on it. So okay. like so I only have one stop. red light pop up whenever I hit my brakes. Huh. That was a rough day. Yeah. Luckily, like I have a pretty cool supervisor about stuff like that. Like I told him what happened and now everybody at work just tells me I have street cred because I have a bullet hole in my car now. <laughs> oh, my I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> 
You think with how much we pay for these apartments <laughs> that we would not I mean, have to worry about that shit? You would think that, yeah, wouldn't yeah. you? I mean, the funny thing about that is this is probably one of the nicer apartments I've lived in. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where this happened. Like the one or the apartment that I had before this, like my neighbors were drug addicts and I didn't have to deal with shooting. <laughs> Mostly because they're too high to shoot, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. They're sleepy. They can't <laughs> the energy to shoot. They got to take a nap. Oh my god! But yeah, that's been my week so far. But how's E doing? Uh, Hopefully, less exciting than my week. Kind of. I I for once have a weird anecdote about my work. Ooh. Um, so we ran out of toilet paper. Oh, and so I started using tortillas. No, <laughs> <laughs> I. My boss gave me her car keys and her card. And told me to go to the Costco and buy some toilet paper and come back. Huh. <laughs> so that was you have a trusting boss. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, I guess she trusts me a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, you have a truck. Why didn't you just take your truck? Because uh, her car was closer. And she wanted the extra toilet paper for herself anyways. Oh, oh so she, like, asked, yeah. she asked you to get toilet paper for her. Too. Hey, here's the business card. Take my car. Leave a few rolls in the trunk. Well, like it's Costco, so you get like eighty hundred yeah, toilet papers. That's, that's true. So like, I you grab get about like, a three year supply. You get a roll of, you get a pack of packs of toilet paper. Yes. So like, I did that. I grabbed one of the packs and left it because we were getting a shipment tomorrow, the next day, anyways. Right. You just can't be at a Mexican food restaurant and not have toilet paper. Yeah. It was just, it just was weird. Like, okay, that's, that's a thing I'm doing, I guess. I guess and I'm I, getting paid to do I was this. just driving and like, I was like, I'm on the clock right now driving to a Costco. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> it was weird. The funny thing is, same thing happens at my work, but it's also way, like a small, small yeah, liquor store. Yeah, you live in a small town. And I'm also related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I work out of chain. Yeah, that's what makes it so weird. Like, I can't imagine like one of my store managers being like, "Hey, here's my car keys. Can you go get everybody pizza?" <laughs> like, oh yeah, I guess. It's weird though. <laughs> that was just like fun. Like I was like, "Huh, yeah. this is a weird experience." Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, playing games, of course. Uh, still busting out the DS, playing some fun DS games because I hate emulating DS games. It's not fun. Right now, I'm playing uh, Retro Game Challenge Two. Which... How many challenges? Oh, you played the first one. Already. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, just you t- did talk remember about how that. I was? Yeah, I was gushing about that because it was like a really cool experience. Like trying to do this one just blows it out of the water. Honestly, like wow. Like the first one was like, oh cool, it's like playing all the NES games and seeing how the NES one. This one was like. Fuck that. How about you play the NES games, the Famicom Disk System, the Super Nintendo, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color? Oh, you want to play, like, the DOS games? Yeah, here you go. That's like, cool. it just goes, like, the whole history of, like, the entire 80s and 90s. That's kind of awesome. Like, this is Vectra. fucking amazing, and we never got it in America. Huh. I wonder There's, why. Um, well, it's a Japanese game show is what the whole series is based off of. Uh, I'm kind of surprised we got the first one. Okay. Also, there's like a lot of stuff. Like you, you play the Famicom, and then you have to play the Famicom disc system, and that just wouldn't make sense in America because we didn't have that. Yeah, we didn't have that here. And like, there's a lot of like Japanese references that I, I don't get, obviously. <laughs> and like, one of the games that they parody is a game that literally just came out in America last year. Oh, so okay, yeah, that would be difficult. It then. makes sense that they didn't bring it, but man, it's actually such a, it, it's like a really cool game, honestly, and I wish we had it in America. Huh, nice. Yeah. 
So that that's a lot of fun and uh other stuff. Animating. I'm so tantalizingly close to finishing. <laughs> I thought I might finish today, but I just slightly I needed like one more hour. Did you uh- Turns out you could have taken it. I could have taken an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I sure could have done that. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so close. And then I have to figure out what to do with my life. But you know, you'll, fi- you'll, you'll figure it out. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, Maybe. <laughs> okay, Sam, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the constant reminder of the world. Thank sorry, you. Sorry, I'm a failure at life. And I'm not a real person. You are. Yeah, so. and then uh, what? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I don't even know what she's saying. I'm not even paying attention. To <laughs> and then uh, beat Chikori, which I told you I was almost done with last week. I yeah. did beat that. That was very fun. I got 99.42% completion. Ugh, I literally worst. just have to scour the entire map to find litter for 100% completion. And I just don't want to do that. Doesn't sound yeah. fun at all. I mean, I kind of, it's like fun when you're running around the first time because you're like, oh, there's something that's like kind of hidden. There's not, like, a map to tell you where the litter is or any real good way to know where the last bits are. Oh. Which is why I didn't. Like, there's, like, a character that will tell me the general quadrant it's in. Great. But, like, yeah, I I was like, I had fun with this game. I don't feel like looking it up. Yeah, that just kind of reminds me of, like, Assassin's Creed 2. And they're like, like, oh, cool, you found a feather. Oh, there's more feathers you can find. Find a hundred of them. Yeah. That's every Assassin's Creed. Yeah, but um, it's awful. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was cool. I I basically 100%ed it, so I'm not worried. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's mostly been my 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 jams this week. <laughs> nice, <laughs> lots of thinking of of watching stuff, but I never do. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of adult life. It turns out. Yeah, that is one of those things because uh, <clears throat> the way that's looking, I can see us eventually doing it on the podcast, but still in theaters now. But a movie that um. I saw announced on YouTube got me curious about it. So I ended up looking up to see what our, uh, see the book of it, found out the book was short. I was like, yeah, I can read that before I watch the movie. So I actually have the green, our uh, Sir Gwen and the green Knight. now. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be in theaters here very shortly. It should actually, it should be in theaters by the time this episode's up. Probably. I believe yeah. at your local theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can go to your local theater. Yeah. Please sponsor us your local theater. <laughs> But yeah, um, did a little bit of research on that and went to Barnes and Nobles and they had a copy there, so I bought it. Dope. The only thing that sucks is uh, they have the copy that I bought, which is like the one that J.R.R. Tolkien actually did the translations of, uh-huh. which was more or less the original one. And then they have the one that's like, all right, now coming soon to theaters, which is literally twice as expensive for the same amount of book. <laughs> I hate when they do that. Yeah. Luckily, I was able to find the J.R.R. Tolkien yeah, one. Though. Like- yeah. When they do that, they always just have, like, a screenshot of the movie as the new cover, uh, yeah, and it's always yeah. so much worse. Yeah, it's awful. And it even just says, like, now a major motion picture yeah, it's on like, it. Oh, thanks. I sure wanted an advertisement on the front of my book. That's all it is. That's literally That I'm paying more for now. Yeah. But, uh, how is the host blue with the most blue? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Did that one get you, Sam? Was, was that my best one yet? <laughs> I think that was just like her smarky remarks. Like, he's not even wearing blue. (laughs) Uh, There's some blue in that shirt. (laughs) Hidden underneath the gray, I guess. I'm opening my alcohol now. (laughs) Um, This week kind of sucked. Genuinely awful. There was like a horrible hour of this week that was just, just the fucking worst. Uh, 
but and then it, I just it. made it worse, and me and Sam went and saw old. That made Why? it way that worse. Just, that didn't look good. No, it didn't look good. No. I even, the way I convinced Sam was like, Sam, please go see this terrible movie with me. And she's like, okay. But <laughs> what if you just watched a better movie instead? We did that afterwards. We did, yeah. yeah. After. You can't watch two movies. That's so many. Por que no los dos? We literally did that today. <laughs> yeah, it is so many. In a row. I know. Most kind of. I'm surprised you keep convincing me to do this. <laughs> I mean, you're here. <laughs> um, I think one thing that we can say, though, is like one, I feel like one was significantly shorter than the other one was. Yeah. Movie? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think. I have a bad concept of time. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe. Yeah. 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 It's midnight, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so you watched Old, and you were like, this is the worst cinematic experience I've ever dealt with, and you walked out. Uh, no, no it wasn't even the worst. It's just not I a good know. movie. It's like no, it was... a lot of questions, and things don't make sense, like... Things rust on that beach, and like everything ages, but then like her earrings don't rust, and like, how do you have a baby whenever your cuts heal in two seconds? Like it doesn't make any sense. There's so much bullshit in that movie. So much bullshit. <laughs> it's just another fucking I don't know. It's like J.J. Abrams level of bullshit. Oh, no, it's M Night Shyamalan level of bullshit. Shyamalan. Okay. <laughs> Shyamalan. That was his whitest fucking wake. <laughs> lamb. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan, more like M. Night, you should be ashamed of yourself, yourself. man. Yeah. Alon. <laughs> uh, so cool. That wasn't very good then. No, not very good. I do not recommend it at all. Uh, There's yeah. a line in the movie, and I don't know why, but this is like the snippet that sticks with me. Because I, I think it's dumb. But there's a line that's like, every 30 minutes is like two years of our life. And so I just thought in my head, like, yeah, that's what this movie feels like. Yeah. <laughs> it really did, too, because it was only like an hour and a half, right? And it yeah. felt super long. I thought we were there all day. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, went out and you're asking all the, like, marquees and you're like, what day what? is it? <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> uh, and then we watched Spiral afterwards here at home. And that's a great movie, actually. Yeah. That's like legitimately, there, people were really weird and down on it, but that is the second best Saw movie, only outdone by the first Saw because of originality and like doing it the very first time. But like Chris Rock fucking holds that movie up yeah. on his goddamn shoulders. <laughs> it is so good. It is the only Saw movie also with purposeful comedy. <laughs> and like it's a, it's kind of like a buddy cop thing and like it has a genuine story. It's just good. It's like a good movie. I liked it a lot. Hmm. There's my there's my uh, two snippets. I think that's what it is. It's like people uh, weirdly enough liked bad saw. And so whenever this wasn't bad saw, people were probably just like, This isn't the saw movie that I wanted. I kinda don't doubt that actually. Yeah. I mean it already clearly is trying to differentiate itself anyways, just by not calling it Saw at twelve or whatever. No, but it is spiral from the book of Saw. Yeah. Yeah, but that's clearly saying it's not yeah, a yeah, continuation, yeah. and it sets itself up as like having its own sequel and like its own thing. It's it's very cool, very very cool. Yeah, I gave up on anything saw related a long time ago. Yeah. Probably after like the first, second, maybe. Yeah, after the third movie, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I watched them all, mm-hmm. own every single one of them. The last I'm... one I watched was Jigsaw, and that was really bad. Oh, so fucking garbage. Anyway, yeah. um, let's get on with the show, shall we? I all right. Yes. Um, 
Before we get into general thoughts of it, Robbie, all right, read the back of that box for Perfect Blue. Okay. Excuse me, who are you? Rising pop star Mima has quit singing to pursue a career as an actress and a model, but her fans aren't ready for her to see her go. Encouraged by her managers, Mima takes on a recurring role in a popular TV show when suddenly her handlers and collaborators begin begin turning up murdered. Harboring feelings of guilt and haunted by visions of her former self, Mima's reality and fantasy meld into frenzied paranoia. As her stalker closes in, in person and online, the threat of or the threat he poses is more real than even Mima knows. The debut film of legendary director Satoshi Khan from Paprika <laughs> says or has frequently been hailed as one of the most important animated films of all time, an intense psychological thriller for the social media era. I think that's stretching it a bit. I don't think you can call it for the social media era when it was there before social media. Yeah. Yeah. We can get into that. <laughs> I don't know. Does AOL count as social media? I mean, I guess because chat rooms did it. Like, that's about the time when chat rooms and stuff were getting mm-hmm. popular. Even then, like, that's not I mean, even a, a spider a spoilers. That's not even a part of the movie is the social media. No, it's like, not. A bad blog is a point of it, but that's, like, not the point yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I, uh, I take high There's offense re- to calling it of the social media For the social era. media era? Yeah. Because this was clearly written, like, for the Blu-ray copy. Yeah, that last part at the very least, and it's like, come on, that is not what this is. <laughs> yeah, not at all. There is an argument to that, but once again, when we start getting into spoilers, we'll yeah. talk more about that. What's the uh, rating and runtime on that, Robbie? So this one is actually the unrated version of it, but I think originally in America it was rated R for in the tiniest text ever nudity for graphic violence and nudity, recommended for adult audiences. Ao, that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, L. lots of cartoon titties in there uh i would say even it has gratuitous nudity yeah Yeah. i would describe it as very gratuitous yeah it's very gratuity nudity (laughs) what (laughs) so besides the ratatouille nudity (laughs) uh, there are very there are (laughs) there are very uh, graphic scenes in this, like there are some than, pretty graphic more scenes than in it. you probably would expect, especially from the time this came out. I would say, yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. So, uh, fair warning if you want to watch this. Yeah. yeah, whenever I first watched this, like I knew almost nothing about this movie whenever I first saw it. So, with some of the scenes that got graphic in this, like I was rather surprised about it, and yeah. I did give E and Dry a warning before because I've been talking about this for a few months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah for showing this one and i think e's response was eh, it's a cartoon <laughs> in a like in a okay if you haven't watched the show it's very weird what i can and can't handle yeah something we do discuss like to put it in perspective i can i can watch the thing the one part i had to look away at is when he stabbed himself with a syringe that's it that's the that's only the thing only that part he took i had to look away at umbrage with it all yeah yeah even whenever like he cut open his thumb with that uh uh, with that scalpel, it might have been that. Okay. That might have been the thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, but like a giant thing opening up a chest and eating two arms away. He's like, that's well, fun. While his head is like tearing away from the body. Yeah. yeah. 
And, like, I have seen some animated stuff that is arguably more intense than a lot of what I've seen in other areas that I've been like, yeah, that's fine. So that's <laughs> kind of why I was more with that or something. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. No. Makes zero sense. I don't understand you. If I ever had a valid reason for all of it, I will let you guys know, but I sure as hell don't. Okay, okay great. Yeah, so let's start over. Actually, who we should say, who's seen it? I think before this, I think I was the only one who had seen it before. Yeah, I was yeah. the closest to seeing it, and it was just I really wanted to see this. Yeah. But you didn't. No. So... I mean, this, <laughs> this movie's still kind of hard to get a hold of, honestly. Cause, Is it? Yeah, well, you can see it on some uh, streaming websites. Like, you can stream it on, you know, the normal suspects like Prime and YouTube and I think Voodoo. I think for some reason it's more expensive on Apple, but everywhere <laughs> else it's, you know, the, the usual two ninety nine. Apple made it more because they had their own advertisement in it. Apple Tech. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, I remember seeing this uh, at the movie store that we go to all the time, and I got excited and picked it up right away, which I'm happy that I got it. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I think we'll probably go from least excited to most excited. Sam! <laughs> Why? <laughs> in my head, I was like, oh, God, she's E first. She's E. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Well, since E was the most excited no, no, to no. see this movie. No, 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 no. You already, you already said you wanted to go last. Oh. E. But I wanted to go first. <laughs> e can go first. You go. Make up your mind. You're sending mixed signals here, saying. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm a contrary. <laughs> so E. Oh. Since you are, you've been excited to see this for a while. What did you think of it? Uh, I really enjoyed this. It actually really surprised me in a lot of ways that I wasn't expecting, which you think with me being so excited to see it, I would know a little more about it, but no, I didn't. Yeah. I had like a general idea of what I thought the plot was, and I was generally right, but there were a lot of twists and turns I wasn't expecting. And there's a really interesting like commentary about a lot of the Japanese idol culture and how just like media in general yeah affects a lot of those types of people and it it is really interesting there's a lot of really amazing shots in this that really use the medium to like extreme and a lot of shots that I'm surprised they did when they back when they made this movie it's just really good like I highly recommend watching it um uh, with the warnings I gave earlier in mind of course it is just like a really interesting thing and i think you can kind of see a lot of things that really took a lot of inspiration from it or at the very least like the general tone of how this is told yeah and kind of ran away with it like this is a really cool movie and definitely like a a good like jumping off point almost i would say too in a lot of ways all right so, Sam, since you're excited, <laughs> what did you think about this movie? I liked it. <laughs> okay. No. Um, <laughs> despite what everybody thinks, I don't hate <laughs> all anime. Just the really cringe shit. Just stuff shit. made out after 2000. No, just the really cringe shit, which is like Magical Girl and like... Ugh. Magic Girl fights Demon. What's wrong with Magical yeah. Girls? It's just, I don't know, it's just annoying, I guess. <laughs> but also, I don't like anime fans in general. I could agree with that. Just anime, weebs, so. Yeah. Weebs and, like, gamers are the same type of obnoxious, quite frankly. They can yeah. be really 
obnoxious. Of I think. course, if you were listening, I'm not talking about you specifically. No, no, we are. You're <laughs> no, a no, bad no. person. <laughs> You're one of the good ones. <laughs> uh, it's just like the general like entitlement and stuff. Like, I get what you mean. Like, no, I like I yeah. I do like the more mature anime. Like okay. Grave of the Fireflies is really probably mm. one one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's it's one of the Ghibli movies I'm like really wanting to watch. Ghibli? Yeah, I that was one of that. His, that was one Wait, of Ghibli's really? first movies. Hmm. I didn't know that. Much as this is one of Satoshi, or Satoshi Khan's first movies, too, which is why it says a Satoshi Khan film, because he did direct this uh, movie, but he was also very heavily involved in the writing process, and in the uh, he did all the storyboarding for it, and he actually did a lot of the animation himself, too. Wow. So he's very heavily involved with this movie. Uh, for this being like his debut, like he wanted it to be you know something very... Uh, he wanted to be very involved in it and make sure it was what he wanted it to be. Right. But cool. He's like, yo, you guys wanted to see an absolute banger off the bat? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was also known in the manga world before yeah, he yeah. did this, but... But, but yeah, I, I like... I'm okay with anime if it's, like, more grounded in reality, and yeah. which, I don't <laughs> no, know if I could say that about this, this but... Yeah, in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. Like, this movie... <laughs> yeah. Less, like, I don't know. This movie is, without spoiling it too much, the movie is very much a mind-bender. Yeah, it is. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion you could probably get out of this movie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I guess we're going to go into, but probably yeah. yeah. Now we're not going to discuss anything. I know. I'm really want to talk but about before it. we get like heavy, it, before we get into like heavy spoiler discussion, we should probably ask Drya last what he thought of the movie. I mean, I'm not done, but oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> okay, give us the rest of your opinions. Yeah, it was neat. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I really liked a lot of the art. Um, there's a lot of nudity, <laughs> like he said, but there's also like this simulated rape scene that I didn't really like. But I think that's kind of the point. Though, that is the point. Yeah. Like I'm not saying it needed to be there. I definitely think it could have. I mean, been contextually, contextually, it makes sense, and it really is like I think it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, um, and like rape scenes in general do, but. I would hope so. If it's not yeah. supposed to, then there's something wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does go into a lot of like the pop idol, um, the obsessions and stuff that a lot of fans and just like the effect on what's that sort of idolization and I guess being in the spotlight can do to you and like can you trust the people that are near you? Can you not? I don't know. But yeah, without like going into too much spoiler, I guess I don't want to. Okay. But yeah, I liked it. There you go. Okay, now you can go try. <laughs> um, I'm guessing I'm going to be the lowest person on this one, actually. I thought it was okay. Like, the animation's really good, but I don't know. It just didn't, like, grab me at all. I think... Robbie is right in the way that he said it's generally described as being very similar to another film called Black Swan. And I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> I think it's super, super obnoxious and up its own ass. I think this is obnoxious in ways as well. But I think a lot of my dislike of it comes from just like not understanding the Japanese culture, especially at the time, I would say, when it comes to media and how that's perceived. Um, or I, at least if I understand it, I don't have a connection to it. 
I don't care. I'm just not not in that area um, of entertainment. Like okay. it's just not where where my brain presides. There were a couple times in the during the movie you were like asking a question about something like why is it this way? You're like that's yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, just Japan. It's just it's not it's not where my interest lies. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I think there's some like really cool, interesting stuff with it, but I don't know. I didn't love it. It's okay. It's completely fine. Okay. So we did go from <laughs> most excited, least excited. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> what do you think of it, Robbie? I actually rather did enjoy this movie. I'm really glad that I bought it. Um, I went and I bought this movie. I watched it, and literally the next day I went to the same store and bought Paprika. Like, that's how much I enjoyed this movie. I bought it again after that. No. (laughs) Every time I watch it, I just buy the movie again. (laughs) No, but like I said, I did buy the other movie that he's really well known for, uh, which is the 2006 movie called Paprika. And both of those movies are way big mind-bender thriller movies. Like, this one, I think, is more grounded in reality than Paprika is. So this one, in a way, is a lot scarier, but Paprika is a lot more bizarre. Okay. I think I might prefer more bizarre. Uh, the ground reality thing just, I don't know. Yeah. Something about it just didn't, like, didn't work for me. Well, again, like, you're not, not, not that I'm part of the culture either. You're not, like, <laughs> understanding the culture and stuff, which that, I think that's where a lot of grounded in reality stuff can break is if the reality isn't your reality. Yeah. Right. Which, again, is, like, I think a lot of the stuff with, like, Black Swan, like, I don't give a fuck about ballet. I don't give a fucking shit. Dance your goddamn heart out. I don't. I don't care how hard it is. I get it. It's hard. Like, but I just don't have any empathy or sympathy towards. Wow. I don't. I don't get it. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. I don't know why people enjoy it. <laughs> I, is Black Swan really about the ballet or more about just the psychological bullshit that this person is dealing with? Ballet. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I've only seen it once, and it was a long time ago. But like... and to be fair, in Black Swan, she is gaslit quite a bit to cause her mental psyche to go crazy. But right. once again, dry doesn't care. I mean, it's just not for me. Yeah, and that's fair. Like I, to be fair, I walked away from Black Swan thinking like, yeah, movie's okay. But yeah, like I know a bunch of people who really loved it. But at the end of the day, like I just don't care about the character. Yeah. And I think you really need to care about the character in that environment in order to get invested. And I think for Black Swan and then for Perfect Blue, like I don't care about the character. I don't care about the environment. Okay. Like I just don't have that initial connection that would help a lot of people get there, I think. Like I, I get why people would like it. It's just, yeah, it's not for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but before we uh, really start discussing the movies, let's go through the general thoughts and everything of Ex Machina here. And I will start with the back of the box. After winning a competition to spend a week at the mountainous state of his company's brilliant CEO, programmer Caleb Smith arrives to discover he has been chosen to take part in a study of artificial intelligence. Sworn to secrecy and cut off from the outside world, Caleb meets his subject, a beguiling and seductive cyborg named Ava, and is plunged into an AI experiment beyond his wildest imaginings in this epic thriller charged with heart-stopping suspense. I feel like that says the whole movie. (laughs) kind of um if you want to watch it ex machina is basically available everywhere if you have a subscription to anything amazon hulu sling fubo not verve actually (laughs) um showtime youtube tv sling tv hulu it's if you have a subscription for something it's probably on there somewhere except for verve (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, if Stars? you want to rent it, two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Stars doesn't exist. <laughs> Stars uh, only exists so Amazon can get more money out of you. Exactly. Uh, it is rated R. Graphic nudity, language, or nipples, gratuitous nipples, um, sexual Male references, tons of tons of them, and some violence. Hundred and eight minutes long. Came out twenty fourteen. Yeah, was Which it really I, only a hundred and eight minutes long? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess I should have said too. Um, Perfect Blue is only eighty two minutes long. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Did you think it was much longer? I thought that was like two hours. <laughs> huh, something might be coming out during yeah. this part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's start with Sam. Since you didn't get a start last time. Hey. And I know you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Ex Machina? Um, I think there's a lot of things about it that I like and a lot of things about it. That are meh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the acting is pretty top notch. Just the character of the rich guy. You hate him. <laughs> you do. You do hate him. Um, it's it's kind of really cool looking and actually still looks really good. Um, the CG holds up surprisingly well. Yeah, <laughs> which is like. Surprising because I think CG mostly just looks shit, but this actually looks pretty good. I, yeah, it, it really does feel pretty long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like the ending. Won't go into that yet. I mean, there's not a whole lot to really. It was, yeah, yeah, I like it. <laughs> I mean, I had seen it before um, a while ago, and I liked it all right. Still like it, all right. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Robbie. Yes. What do you think of Ex Machina? Garbage. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually did enjoy that in a weird way. I think I enjoyed it for the same reason why I, I enjoyed things like Westworld. Okay. Because there's a lot of like you know that Turing test and like the I, I shouldn't go too much into spoilers of that movie. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it is the way that they go about it with like you know the whole the Turing test and like the advancement of AI and like what makes a person a person and a machine machine and like what happens when you blur that line I, i've always liked movies and tv shows that discuss that topic and like go with the intricacies of it on like why it's good and why it could be bad and stuff like that which they make a lot of horror based off of like what if machines became smarter than humans they do yeah um but yeah all in all i did enjoy it it is it is a slow burn movie but it is very well done in the way, like, as long as you're interested in the discussions that they're having during this movie, I think it is a good movie to watch and a movie that people will enjoy. Cool. I came up, up with a um, secondary name for this movie. Turing test? Deus? No. I am Jeff Bezos Become Human. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better name. <laughs> Referencing two things that wouldn't be popular until after it came out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. E. Hello. What did you think of Ex Machina? Uh, it's good. Um. Oh, I didn't expect that. I, should... <laughs> I do think it is good. I think it is longer than I wanted it to be. <laughs> but with the caveat, with a lot of these, I just don't give a shit about the relationship, which the movie does somewhat kind of bring up mm-hmm. as a point. At the same time, it still focuses a lot of it 
and I just don't give a shit. I also I do kind of disagree with this being like a mind bender. It's like I think it's just again some of the like just being in a field where AI is discussed a lot. It's not really like a big question to be like, oh, what if AI is smarter than us or anything? Like it doesn't really. That's just like a a story that's as old as time. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that of course. Like I don't know, it just doesn't like hit me very hard i guess that it is supposed to i think for me the part that becomes mind bendy is the theories that you could easily come up with of what's really happening in this movie i feel sure i guess i don't know you could say that about a lot of movies you could you could but i think it works thematically with this quite well yeah yeah i guess there's there's a couple of twists i do like in this movie that it goes um the Rich guy is such a piece of shit that it's such amazing. A fucking piece I love of shit. it. Yeah. Which I think is goes to the credit of the actor who plays him too. Yeah. Uh Oscar Isaac. Yes. I cannot think of his name. <laughs> plays Poe Dameron as well. Who you'll become quite acquainted with in Star Wars later. Maybe. Um I think Caleb's kind of boring ultimately. He is supposed to be mm-hmm. kind of a everyman, I guess, is the idea, but I don't know. Like what really is his character, though? He knows how to code. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, he's, he was... Well, we'll he's get into supposed, it. He's yeah, kind of we'll the bait, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get there later, but, like, I don't know. So, it feels kind of weird following him the whole time. Mm-hmm. But, I, again, a lot of my dislike is just this is such a focus on, like, a heterosexual relationship, as they call it in the movie. Yes, I do like how they go into that, though. We'll get to um, that point, maybe. I think there's like a neat idea, but I just ultimately don't care about that. But it is still like an interesting movie. It makes me laugh a lot on on purpose. As sometimes <laughs> I forget, I have to sometimes say on this podcast, like it does genuinely have good jokes in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just like I don't think it will make me think like I think Perfect Blue will make me think about it. Really? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Which okay. I honestly have points to bring up about both those movies. No? Too bad. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you were raising your hand. Oh, was I was gonna say, um, I think it, I think the point was to actually like focus on the kind of bland dude. <laughs> yeah, uh, which leads up to the ending. I mean, sure, but like, it doesn't mean I think he's interesting or that I want to follow him. There's a point to every generic male anime pretty boy. <laughs> to be the generic male anime pretty boy, but I don't think they're very good characters. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I like Ex Machina a lot. I really, really like this director, actually. Yeah. I was going to say, for how much you like Ex Machina, and like after watching it, it makes me like somewhat question a little bit more like why you like this a lot, but you don't like Westworld. Because there's a lot... like I see a lot of what they do in Westworld in this movie, even though this was before. Because I feel like Westworld, Westworld blew its load in season one, and it didn't have a single interesting thing to say from there on out. Okay, well, if you just only watched the first season. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what you should do with that show, okay. actually. I, I mean, to be yeah. fair, you compl- uh, the reason why I say that, too, is because you complained a lot about the first season, too. Yeah, it's slow. Yeah. Like, you say slow burn a lot. That show is a slow mm-hmm. fucking burn. And that's why I could not get through the first season, because it was way too fucking boring, and it did not capture my attention at all. It is slow as a <laughs> motherfucker. It's not interesting. I'd rather enjoy the first season. Is a turtle walking through mud. <laughs> it is. I will say, though, like, I did enjoy the second season less, enough so that I haven't seen the third season yet. I tried to watch the third season, and um, I think it's corny as shit. 
Yeah, that's what I've heard is from what I hear of reviews online is people say it just keep, it's a downhill spiral when it comes to that. Yeah. I was get, I almost compared it to <laughs> True Detective, but third season is way better than second season. I really love the third season of True Detective. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, like remember how dry felt about this might be out of line, I don't know, about the newer Blade Runner, um mm-hmm. twenty forty nine. Yeah, like and seeing how much you like this, it kind of makes sense to me because I think there's a lot of general like uh, tones and feelings that are shared between the two of them. So it kind of makes sense that Dry would like this one a lot. Yeah. And maybe why I didn't like the either of them very much. Well, I think this one's good. I just right. I thought Blade Runner 2049 was very boring <laughs> and that the first one was better. But that's go watch that episode if you want that whole story. Yeah, I, that's I, a... I spoiled my opinion, but... It's... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fun episode, though. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed uh, those episodes. Yeah. I think that one works because I think there was more of a discussion between me and you of why we felt the way we did. Yeah. Whereas other episodes where we disagree, it's, <laughs> it's more of an argument. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I like Ex Machina a lot. I like this director a whole lot. I'm going to throw two little fun facts out there. Okay. Uh, I can unlock my fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> um. You passed the Turing test. You can't unlock your phone. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, writer-director, uh, he did both in this, Alex Garland. Also a writer of 28 Days Later, Sunshine, the Dread remake, Enslaved, Ozzy to the West, DMC remake, and Annihilation. So he does games and movies, then. He made the Devil May Cry remake? He wrote it. Hmm. <laughs> he was one of the writers on that, yeah. Um, huh. It seems like a, a person that could... Write a triple A video game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know the Devil May like which which remake of it? DMC Devil May Cry, the one that no one liked. Okay, I like that game a lot though. Actually, actually, <laughs> yeah, but you always have the weirdest opinions about like very Everything? disliked I think video. People games. were just like way too precious about Dante the fucker. Dude who spits out one-liners and eats pizza with riding a motorcycle. Yeah, like, people fuck love off. that. <laughs> it's it's the same energy. It's just a younger dude. It's fine. I was gonna say he probably would have been a better writer for um, Detroit Become Human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would have been. <laughs> I mean, for what I was hoping for that game and what it actually became were two very different things. It's barely a video game from all I've seen about it. I would agree. Yeah, it's well, I have a lot of problems with fucking David Cage and. You should that just, game in general, but <laughs> should just go write movies. That seems to be what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't even think he should do that. I mean, <laughs> he's he's he seems to like to do it, like the writing part, but like he's not good at it. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> he's really not to be good at writing to make movies. <laughs> Look at Adam Sandler. Hey ho! Yeah, I just true. like it's just like with a game. There's like multiple things you have to have Account somewhat. Comp- yeah, yeah. So if you're like at writing which a lot of people say he is and then also don't have a fun game no it's two thing two strikes yep yeah uh the other thing is i really like how you guys uh really attach to how shitty oscar isaac's character is in ex machina did he was he like i actually based this entirely on rich billionaire <laughs> so he Went out right away to try and make him the shittiest person he could think of, mm-hmm. and he gathered a bunch of stories about these two people. He based his characterization on this guy off of Bobby Fischer and Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking called it. Yeah. And during the movie, I was 
joking that it was like breaking people is just like staying just a Kubrick, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you actually said that. Oh, that's fucking great. <laughs> and I agree. Yeah, yeah the, he's such a like, also like it. It's really important with a role like that that he's like in lovingly shitty like like yeah. charmingly you, shitty you love yeah. how shitty is like you would never want to meet the guy but like, you could just but you love laugh. hearing stories about yeah, him you could just yeah. laugh at and you could never fucking trust the guy no yeah even when he's right you still can't trust him yeah. <laughs> that's just the theme of the movie yeah yeah uh but let's get on to perfect blue robbie okay so i guess one of the first things that i should say that the director did say about this movie is let me pull up the notes. He wanted it on Blu-ray the entire time before <laughs> the format was devised. That's why he called it Perfect Blue. He actually invented <laughs> Facebook. I mean, they had a 1080p <laughs> laser disc around that time, yeah. and you can get this movie on laser disc. Ooh, your favorite format. Yeah. One of these days, I'm gonna own a laser disc and not hook it up to anything. Because <laughs> what would I hook it up to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when it. Whenever it came to discussing things like the visual elements and the story elements and stuff like that, despite the fact that, you know, he did a lot of the drawings for this, he was very heavily involved in the writing of this, uh, he says that whenever he talks about the movie, he gives his own interpretation because he w- wouldn't want to do anything to um, basically say that, you know, whatever your interpretation is the correct one of that, basically. Like, so it is, it is very open interpretation movie kind of thing but he does that for a lot of his work too but he always says like my interpretation may not be the correct one but this is how i feel about the movie that i made oh huh. that's interesting actually yeah yeah i like it. with stuff like this i think you kind of have to do that because if you don't then people will be like yeah well you're not allowed to have opinion because if you look at what the director said in yeah. the interview on yeah. october 17th 1947 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah because um one of the special features is him talking about the visual director or direction of it and like what he was going for for all of it. But he does very much say like just because it's my interpretation doesn't make it, it correct. But he's had a lot of people in the past come up to him about this movie and ask him things about that. And he just like, c- kind of went like, huh, I-, I guess I never thought about it that way. <laughs> so like because, <laughs> you know, since he left it so open for interpretation, like everybody has their own different opinions about it. This room is probably a good example of that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing that he said that was kind of interesting about it, with it being his directorial debut, they told him it was going to be an OVA, which is kind of Japan's version of like direct DVD. And so, like, he didn't think this is ever going to be out in theaters. And oh, so, like, wow. he made it thinking, all right, it's going to be like direct DVD. Like, some guy's going to see this at a rental place and he's going to watch it. And so, like, I want to try to make it in a way, like, you know. I guess that- it worked. I guess so. <laughs> well, he bought it. But- yeah. <laughs> But yeah, talking spoilers of this movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does does a lot of things to try to make it purposefully misdirecting too. Like the beginning of the movie, starting with like the Power Rangers that are going through there, fighting <laughs> totally King Bug. That. <laughs> yeah, that was way <laughs> into the movie that. for forty five seconds. Oh, like. <laughs> it's great. Like that's another that's just a thing in Japan, like just those like weird traveling shows with like Power Rangers and stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. <laughs> fucking awesome. But yeah, um movie weird enough actually starts off with that kind of uh they're almost at this, I don't want to call it an arena, but like almost like a festival. Yeah, it seems like that's it. Yeah, it looked like that. a carnival festival yeah. sort of They do those thing. a lot in Japan, so I'm willing to bet that's probably what it was. Yeah. But there happens to be playing a band called Cham mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of shows them like getting ready for everything. And uh, this ends up, or ends up being one of Cham's 
singers like one of their last days actually working with the band because they want to put her career into another direction and she's starting to do acting and it's starting to kind of mismatch with her pop idol career and so she decides that she's going to drop her pop idol image and try to become an actress after this and during this time you it keeps on focusing on a very strange looking man who seems like he's very obsessed with her it looked like if you've have you seen the cover of the original the hills have eyes <laughs> it's like that but a bad dog wig on him sure bad what <laughs> a bad dog wig dog wig yeah it's like yeah. rough rough i'm a dog do dogs have wigs probably <laughs> I think he's thinking of like the dog daughter from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh. I was thinking of, yeah. <laughs> that, what? That's literally what I was thinking of. I've seen that show. I've seen the image. Actually, I've seen most of that show. I think he. Oh, have you really? Yeah, I watched it a lot. I in would high just school. say I like um, it was an amazing on. show. What do you like mean? straight greasy scraggly hair rather than a dog. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody has their reference points. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Anyway, he's very unattractive. <laughs> yeah, like, this movie actually, uh, he says that he did a very, well, I guess he didn't say it, but a lot of people do watch this movie and, like, go through and, like, look at everybody just, like, out in the background. And, you know, normally with anime, it's kind of like a cut and paste of what each character is going to look like. But for this one, like, they went out of their way to make people seem more average and more normal. In some cases, a little bit more ugly. Like, their eyes are a little bit too far apart. Or their teeth are a bit more messed up. Or, like, like some people look like turtles. <laughs> Dry kept on saying one of the people looked like turtles in this movie. <laughs> and he took offense to it until he realized yeah. it was animated. Or actually, I think he still took offense I to did. it. But it's, it's still animated. It's very rude. It's still animated. It's not a real person. It's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor painting on paper. All those turtles. So <laughs> How dare you say a turtle looks like that? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mima is leaving behind her pop idol career so that way she can become more of an actress. And they... Start getting her these roles on this drama show. During this time, it seems like her fans aren't happy with her. She gets a fax saying that she's a traitor. Uh, somebody gives her a letter that goes to a link to a website, which she doesn't even know what the internet it is. And yeah. this f- amazing scene where yeah. she's like, do you know what this is? To one of her managers, she's like, it's a website. You <laughs> type this in and it takes you to a place on the internet. Internet, interesting. Yeah, you just type this in, and it's like there's a bunch of stuff on there. Interesting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not at all. It's great. Like, <laughs> Once again, it, this is '97. Yeah, it's actually it's a very like the movie is dated in a lot of aspects like that, but I think that really adds to kind of a time capsule feeling more than like being just straight up dated. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's not terrible. Like like when like american movies dated and they have a ton of terrible slang that no one even used at the time stuff like that yeah 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 damn skippy you can't say that that's a curse <laughs> word also skippy is not paying us we're not advertising for them <laughs> actually no, yeah d- damn skippy damn them to hell <laughs> <laughs> As drag gets readjusted. <laughs> Got very heated from that. <laughs> Is Skippy even still a brand of him? No idea. They are. Not um, anymore. Cancel them. <laughs> not anymore. Damn, Skippy. <laughs> um, anyway. Probably not the first ones to make that joke. That happens. Uh, the first time that she's, you know, off being an actress, like you can tell she's super nervous. Well, actually, I guess even before that. You get, like, a pretty long cut of, like, just seeing her everyday life in, like, this little tiny Tokyo apartment that she lives in, which is also very Japanese to live in a shoebox, basically. 
which is just, as an American, so strange. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's weird to say as an American, but because I'm sure someone, like, in New York probably could relate to that Yeah, they more. probably yeah. get it. But, like, well, I've never lived in, like, a big city. Like, the city we live in now is the biggest I've lived in. Yeah. And, the, like, the, it's still s- somewhat rural, actually. I mean, yeah. The thing about, like, what I've heard about, especially if you're living in Tokyo, um, the reason why they're so small and, like, the kitchens are so small and stuff is that a lot of people don't really stay in yeah. as often. It more is, social life. It's seen yeah. as a bad thing. There's more things in. to do out there yeah. than yeah. there is to do inside. But it's also just, like, a matter of there's like multiple million people living in that city you yeah. need to fit multiple million yeah. people in that city yeah <laughs> in a very small landmass yeah yep anyways after seeing a small snippet of uh her real life and kind of it goes back and forth between like her pop idol life and her real life and how they're, they're two very separate things you know between what a lot of people refer to it as her real life and her avatar and um eventually goes to like her first scene and like her being super nervous to like play this very small scene in this big daytime drama TV show. And um, while they're there and getting her ready and everything, they see that she has a letter and her manager goes to open up the letter to see what it is. And it blows up in his face. Say like there was like a bomb in there or I guess a small explosive charge if anything. Cause yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't him. like kill him or anything, but it does maim him. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I don't get with that is there's a letter in it. Mm-hmm. Says like if you keep this up, then it's uh, gonna be worse later. Yeah. If if there's an explosive in there, how do they like actually expect that note to be a note? It's fireproof. It wasn't I mean, though. It burnt up. Not the part and it got that super bloody. Read. Well, True. that part they clearly didn't think about, but it, the part they <laughs> apparently they don't think that far ahead. Yeah, yeah. Also, As yeah, a lot I of think you're don't. you're really oversaying how smart this person probably was. Fair yeah. enough. But yeah, there is. She does say like a little bit of a note that says the next one will be real. Has to say like they expected her to read the note and then for it to explode. But you know, not the smartest person in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which causes her to get like you know a little bit paranoid about it. And then another one of her managers, uh, Rumi, ends up uh, showing her how to get to like that URL that was sent to her in that letter. And they set up her Mac two com- or her Apple two computer, yeah. <laughs> so she can get online and see this thing. And like she starts reading it and seeing it's a blog post, and it seems like someone is like very closely just watching every single move that she makes. Well, it's like a blog from the per- perspective of her. Yeah, yeah so but she's, she's not, not writing, writing it. it, but it goes to detail about yeah. what she's doing, like, yeah. like to a point that literally she would be the only person to know that she did yeah, these things. Yeah. Stuff like. Where it says like, "Oh, when I got off the train today, I took my left. I took a left step first instead of right, like normal." And this was a yeah. downward spiral from here, where I fucked up everything in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like even the things like I went to this store today, um, and I bought this brand of milk, and I got this brand of fish food for my uh, for the fish that I have in my little apartment over here, and blah blah blah. And like, kind of starts getting freaked out over the fact that someone is very closely watching her, mm-hmm. and she keeps on seeing like. The same security guard that she saw at her last Cham concert everywhere. And I guess I should probably also mention before that there was like some people, some kids that are being rowdy and like messing things up. Like they threw a can at her, which caused Stalker Man to attack the kids and the kids to basically beat the crap out of him. And then yeah. a bunch of people started throwing trash at them to try to get them to stop. And uh, eventually she ends up reading a little note saying that he was hit by a car and is in critical condition. 
Yeah. Around the same time that she also sees Stalker Man. Um, then it kind of goes into her career of like how in order for her to expand further into her career, she has to do some scenes that she may be uncomfortable with. And like the show that she's a part of, the, they're asking her to, to do a rape scene which they're not comfortable doing. And like her management is talking about whether this is the right move for her and how this is going to affect her image. And maybe like, this isn't the best look for her. And then she doesn't want to disappoint the people around her. So she says like, I'll do it anyways. And another little fun fact about this is um, during that scene in the club where she's apparently a dancer there, the outfit that she's wearing is basically a sluttier version of what she was wearing whenever she was in Cham. And this was basically meant to represent of like, the pop idol dying so that way the actress could live in a weird way. Which is basically what all pop idols turned actress do. Yeah. I guess not all the of States. them. <laughs> I mean, let's go to the, the Disney pop stars, for instance. Like, once they grow up and they get onto a different, like, record label, the quote-unquote adult record label, probably still owned by Disney, Yeah, um, they gain a ton of sexuality all of a sudden and they have to say... It's probably not all of a sudden. Well, yeah, but it's the public image. It, yeah. It's because they are forced by contract to not be sexual yeah. <laughs> out in public at all. And then, like... Then once they're allowed course, to, they go a little bit overboard. Of course, they, like, grow up and um, they're older now, so they... <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, like, sexual beings for the most part. Mm, yeah. Sounds fake. <laughs> so, also with this scene, with it going into, like, the rape scene, which goes on for... A decent amount of time honestly but it also kind of shows that like it's not really happening in a weird way because like there's a lot of cuts that happen like wherever like you know you see this and like it's very horrible that like she's screaming and people are holding her down and it's very claustrophobic and then you hear a guy go cut all right hold on we got to get set up for shot two we'll just hold on for a second right like here's where part of my suspension of disbelief hat comes in mm-hmm. like the fake rape scars her and everybody around her, like her agents. Yeah. And I don't get that. I don't. I think it's not necessarily like the actual thing itself, but more like, again, like just more the death of the idol, like her. Because when you're in like an idol group like that, you're like, you're, you're super pure. Yeah. You never have, you, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend when you're part of an idol group. Yeah, I was going to say there actually was a famous incident that happened, I think, in like 2009. Of uh, there's a pop idol group that it was either in Korea or Japan, but like one, they found out that one of them was actually in a relationship with a guy from another band and they cut her out of the group because it got rid of her sense of purity to the public. Dumb. But, I, but I feel like that's not even just like a thing there, it's a thing here too. Kind um, of. Not quite to the same extent, but it is a thing yeah, here, too. Yeah, maybe not to the same extent, but I feel like people are supposed to, like, keep certain relationships under wrap, or, like, a lot of boy bands later come out. A lot of them turn out to be very gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's not something they could, like, be open about, because, yeah. you know. Which, last double feature, we did talk about that while with, um, wow, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, with Elton John, actually, mm-hmm. about how he had to hide the fact that he was gay, even though, yeah, in retrospect, it's very clear that he was. But they're supposed to like portray this certain image. Yeah. And but um, I guess also another good example of something like that that happened here in America would be like Britney Spears dating Justin Timberlake on how it's supposed to be like this very innocent and pure thing, and like she was telling everyone that she was a virgin and everything, and then 
It was Justin Timberlake that was like, no, she's not. Right. Like, I get it. I get, like, what it's going for, but, like, with how seriously it's taken and, like, the other manager, which I guess makes sense later. Are you saying it's because she's, like, all traumatized because of this fake rape scene? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I literally don't get I would not necessarily say it's just because of that, because, again, like, she feels like she's being constantly stalked because of the both the webpage and her constantly seeing that dude. Yeah. And well, also part of it too has, I feel like has to deal with the fact that like in a way she didn't want to go through with it, but she didn't yeah. want to disappoint the people. And like she didn't want to hinder her career. So it goes along with like a lot of actors and um, a lot of people who are in the public eye like that, who do things that they're not necessarily proud of, but they feel like they have to for their career. She's also always like seeing, um, herself and like reflection as her pop idol self which actually happens after the rape scene okay yeah um but yeah that's like a thing that happens too and it's like she just sees her pop idol self is delusion is like a um like that's the thing like i feel like if it's trying to go towards mental illness thing it doesn't portray that enough for me for well, me to believe that it could actually be mental illness. It's late 90s, and media rarely ever portrays mental illness properly anyway. <laughs> right, but like it just feels like this is like a big triggering moment, and like this is the big change of her character. And it's literally a movie set, and that's the part that like I just can't get my head through. Like It's literally all completely fake. I mean, she says that she only went along with it because people told her that she should. <laughs> Right, because it's gonna be a career, um, a career changing, changing move. thing, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's that's like my biggest problem with this is like this is like a big like part of the movie, and like this is where everything flips and turns, and it doesn't make sense for it to do that. But to it's me. not like specifically that moment. It's like the culmination of all the stress and constantly mm-hmm. doubting herself that she's felt up to that moment, where this is where her career did make a huge change. As you can see by a lot of this, like, the photography shoot later and a lot of how people in general were just talking about her in comparison to when she was an idol. Like, it's a huge change combined with all the constant stress around her, combined with the fact that she didn't really want to do it the entire time. I'm not saying, like, you have to agree with, like, that it makes sense and stuff, but, like, I think it's not necessarily fair to make it seem like this specific set thing is the only thing it's talking about it's a culmination Mm -hmm. of everything but the thing is like whenever things build up like that anything could be a breaking moment yeah i don't get it the straw that broke the camel's back maybe but even like Mm -hmm. i said there are other like real world examples of something like that of like someone who did nudity in a movie and it made their career go or changed their career and now people can't look at them mm-hmm. the same or listen to their music or anything um, else. And, like, media will say horrible things about them yeah. and they have to face that all the time. <laughs> like, it's just... Also with the stress of dealing with the stalker that's or that's following you around. Yeah. And also the blog, like, somebody, like, pretending to be her, basically. Which, once again, this movie is very interpretive, too, so whatever, like, that, I kind of, I'm not going to, like, fight anyone's point on it, because it, it, this movie is what you make of it. Yeah. I will say, though, a little fun fact about that scene, um, Satoshi uh, Khan straight up said he feels like he went too far with that, but once again, he thought it was going to be an uh, OVA, 
So he's like, oh, yeah, some guy's just going to rent this movie and like watch it by himself. It's going to be fine. And then this movie w- came out in theaters. And uh, on top of it coming out in theaters, like uh, I think the scene that we saw was actually pushed even further because he says like the original rape scene is actually longer. And this is the unrated version. So I think we saw the longer version because uh, weirdly enough, like uh, this movie got an R15 in Japan. So like kind of like almost like a PG-13 rating. Okay. And um, I guess the rating board said like they took the movie very seriously. And if he wanted to push the rating down even further, he could if he took out like two or three scenes, he could probably get it down to a G rating. Jesus. Yeah, that that, that was yeah. my reaction too. Like, really? <laughs> but he says that he was fully uh he was fully prepared for this movie to be like an R eighteen, so like the R rating in Japan for it. But yeah, they gave it an R fifteen rating. So there was high schoolers that went to go watch this movie whenever it first came out. And so whenever it came out in theaters, he said that he had a hard time watching it because he kind of had this moment of like, why did I put this in the movie? And then because he, he felt like he openly admits like because people say, like, yeah, this is a very graphic scene. He's like, yeah, I know it is. I went way too far. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I fucked and, up. <laughs> yeah, like during the interview, like she says, like, yeah, it was very graphic like three times and three times he responds with because I went too far. That's why. <laughs> but he said like it was a lot of this movie. He said he felt like he was focusing on small details to like, you know, because people are going to be paying attention to the small details and sometimes forgot about the larger picture of it that may have been one of the things that he you know with that but also he thought it was going to be a direct dvd movie too which like he put a ton of effort into it yeah, yeah. but with well, this, it wasn't going to be anything that like went anywhere and but still this is also like you know for a career move you know like hey this is the first movie that i directed kind of thing so to get further jobs and everything like i'm pretty sure madhouse studio is was the studio that like came off of this that he made for the movie wow so and that's one of the biggest names in anime nowadays mm-hmm. so yeah. But yeah, like uh there's that, but he says like for the movie he wanted to take on like very tabloid topics with this movie too. So things like, you know, pretty girls, erotica, violence, murder, and the stalking stuff like that and put like almost a new twist on what's something that people read all the time in tabloids with it, which goes all- along with, you know, like the rape scene and the stalking and everything like that and kind of put a new twist on it and something that people could possibly enjoy as a movie. But moving on to that, past that, kind of shows like her career like you see more of like how it's affecting her with her career moving forward than you do like actually see what's going on with her career you don't really see a whole lot of what's happening with the movies except for in a lot of weird blends wherever like it kind of blends in the what's happening in her show what's happening in real life and what's happening in like almost like this dream fantasy and they all kind of start blending together in a way where you're not sure exactly what's happening which that's that's definitely one of the things i do really enjoy about this movie is like you can real you can watch it, and it never is, like, 100% clear whatever was real, was not real. And I think it does in a way that doesn't feel, like, cheap to me. Like, I've seen some movies that do a similar thing where it's, like, I don't know, where I feel like the director just kind of did it because it kind of gives that illusion of, like, ooh, what's real and what's not. Whereas this, I think, like, it works in a way of describing how her psyche is just constantly breaking. And, uh, and she doesn't, like, even she doesn't really know what is actually mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. at this point anymore by the end i don't even think she really knows what's happening no like yeah. and that's one of those things uh because i did show this movie to gel before i showed to you guys and my first question to her after the movie and it is like so how much of you how, how much of this movie do you think actually happened and she just kind of <laughs> stopped she's like fuck dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
I feel like I'd have to like analyze it. Way. Yeah, I'm there's... sure there's people out there that super oh, analyze yeah, this hundred percent. I don't think there's a clear answer, anyways. But that's kind of the fun of the movie too, is that there's not really a clear answer of like what actually is happening. Like you know, if um, how much of you know how much of it is really happening in her everyday life? How much of it is the TV show that she's part of? How much of it is like this weird dream um, sequence that's happening with her, which they the version of herself that isn't real that she keeps on seeing is called virtual Mima for the movie. So like that's kind of her persona or her avatar taking on a life of its own and in a weird way, like changing her life around her by taking on its own personality and in a weird way trying to take her over. Yeah. Like, a, like does that part like take her over at some points and like, and make like, it, cause it mentions like um disassociative identity disorder yeah. at some point i don't know if that was like part of the movie i mean i think that, it was part of the movie that sort of blended with reality and like i don't know that that was kind of the point actually. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean I th- again that's one of the many questions like i think they that is left up to interpretation like what did she was any of it actually her was any of it uh the stalker character was any of it another character that we'll probably get into a little bit later but yeah I should say, like, we are into spoiler territory. Of course, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all uh, this is going to be spoiler. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of does go into, like, those bl- like those weird things, like, you're not sure exactly what's happening. Uh, after the boy gets hit by the car, we also find out a little bit later after that that the person who had been writing the scripts for this TV show was murdered uh, on the either his way to work or his way home. Like, just in an elevator, you see, like, you don't see exactly what happens to him. But you can hear her band Cham playing in the elevator, and it's just like in this very distorted uh, boombox. And then when you see the elevator doors open again, you see like he's been stabbed, as the movie puts, umpteen times, and like his eyes have been gouged out. It's not. <laughs> they never give an exact number. No, they Why didn't. Is it... I don't know what number do you want him to have been stabbed. I don't know. They always say a number. <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know why they do, but they always do. You want to know how excessive it is? Umpteen times excessive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and she ends up like just hearing this because, you know, Japan, they just happen to have TVs in the back of cars in 1997. <laughs> Probably actually. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I actually wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> um, like she finds out about that, but like she kind of finds it almost like in a weird secondhand account. Her managers keep on telling like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Like, you know, this TV show is going to keep going on. Someone was murdered. It's fine. Yeah. It happens. But this is all part of, you know, what's causing her psyche to just go out of balance too. And... <sighs> It's hard to, like, put in order of, like, you know, what is actually happening because there's a lot of blend of, like, what's happening in TV show, what is actually happening in TV show, what is real, what isn't real. Like, it even puts questions of, like, oh, well, like, it's the stalker that's stalking her that's doing all these killings. And then you question even if he exists. Yeah, like, maybe he doesn't even exist. Maybe he's part of Mima's, uh, part of her psyche. She made him up as a way to deal with all the situations. Maybe the show's not even real. Maybe Mima made up the whole thing and Mima's not even her real name after she was actually raped in a arm and in a club she made up this whole thing of being a model and an actress to help deal with the whole situation but that also seems like it could be part of the tv show and it kind of blends it in a way that you just don't know exactly what's going on what's real and what's not yeah like i guess it's probably her mind too (laughs) yeah and that's that is pretty much her mind because at one point in time like um rumi goes to go visit her and she says, like, oh, it's been a while since I've seen you. And she's like, what do you mean it's been a while? I saw you yesterday. Oh, did yesterday really happen? And, like, she ends up squeezing the coffee cup so hard that she breaks it and uh, slices her hand open with a uh, broken porcelain and goes, like, mm-hmm. oh, is this real blood? 
And I think because, like, in a way of showing that, like, her psyche's so broken at this point that she doesn't know what is and isn't real. Oh, that part and, was cool. Yeah. Eventually, it goes to, like, a boiling point. You know, the, the show is done filming and everything. I think Rumi, like, yeah, Rumi tells her, like, yeah, we're going to take you home now. Go get changed. And, like, she goes to go get changed. And she's attacked by her stalker at this time and saying that she is the, which I guess I probably put over a point of, like, uh, he calls himself Mimana, or Mania, even though Mania. it's spelled Mimania. Mimania. Oh. I know, the way that they say it is, like, Mimania, though. Yeah. But anyways, um, which is just what you know him as. One thing that I should say, because, like, whenever I watch it with Jell, she watched the English subversion, they use the worst voice for him. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's very much reminiscent of, like, crazy henchmen of old <laughs> Japanese thing. Like, That's great. Like, oh, you're not the real Mamima. I, I talk to the real Mamima all the time. You're not her. Like it's that like kind internet of nerd. She yes. sends me an email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Email? What's like, that? It, it's, uh, that was like the one thing I didn't like about the English sub of it is like his voice. Like, we were watching and I was like, that's the voice that they chose? That, I don't, there's a lot of like subs like that or, or uh, dubs like that where I'm like, I mean, I don't mind it, but there's like one character I dislike. It was it was what I showed you with Future Diary. We never got to it. We accidentally, we almost accidentally watched an episode in English until we were like, wait, this is English. Yeah, we're like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> um, but like the female character in that show, in the English dub, she sounds like she's like 30 years old and it throws me off every time. Yeah, but anyways, I feel like for the Japanese version of this, like they chose the person that they originally chose for the voice did a very good job with him. But it kind of shows, you know, a stalker who is very unpleased with the way that his idol is uh, taking her career and decides that, oh, she's not the real idol because the real Mamina would never do this. She's an imposter. I have to take care of this imposter. So the real uh, Mamima could thrive as a pop idol. So he decides he's going to try to kill her, but he decides he's also going to rape her before he kills her because he like get, does this whole thing where he's ripping her clothes off and mm-hmm. is about to rape her before she smacks him in the side of the head with the hammer hard enough to knock him out. And then goes to like another shot, which I thought was pretty skillfully done, wherever like, she just sees a crowd in front of her because also blending in, like, did that happen for a show or did that actually happen? Yeah. Also, the the delivery guy person would that was stabbed in the dick oh uh, that was the photographer because yeah they also talk or i guess i did skip over that (laughs) that uh at one point in time they also convince her that she's going to do a photo shoot to help her career and it ends up turning into a nude photo shoot because the guy's good at getting girls to take their clothes off and even though she feels uncomfortable with it she does it so that way she could you know further move her career forward and not disappoint the people who were relying on her and everything and he also eventually gets um, murdered too, but like he gets by the oh, yeah. pizza boy. Yeah, by <laughs> what looks like Mamima, or what looks like a pizza boy, but turns out to be Mamima dressed up as a pizza boy to yeah. basically go kill or him. Or was it? That's yeah. Or yeah. Was it the, the, that's like, the question really of the know. movie. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, think it, a lot of like don't know what's going on. How you enjoy this movie has to do with perception, because I feel like. My ultimate take on this is probably quite a bit different than your guys's. Possibly. Probably, yeah. So I think yeah, that I'm probably like, has a lot to do with how I t- care about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's that. Like sh- at one point in time, she even finds like the bloody clothes in her room, uh, from the uh, from his murder, 
which I don't even think they gave a number with him. They just said multiple stab wounds with him. And yeah. there's a debate on whether it was an ice pick or a screwdriver, but that's from you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly with me. Because like whenever I was doing research for this, so I can give like little fun facts about it and everything. Like uh, they said it was a screwdriver, but I could have swore to God it was an ice pick because there's like three other times that it's legitimately an ice pick. It just looks like an ice pick. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the stalker hit on the head and uh, Rumi goes to check on her and she tries to show uh, Rumi the stalker, but he's not there anymore. Again, questioning, did that even happen? Yeah. And they go home. It gives you a shot of the stalker and someone else did. I couldn't figure out who it was. Uh, that was her old manager. Okay. Yeah. I uh, Mr. Kakashi, I think is this Ta- his name was? Takayaki, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no idea. It's a food. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it shows but. you that. And eventually they go home. Uh, Mamiya passes out i'm pretty sure she, at that point it kind of like kind of shows in a weird way that, like maybe she passed out in the car and then woke up home yeah. but like she doesn't even say like Rumi doesn't even say like i'm not gonna take you home she says i'm taking you to mima's room yeah and i guess one thing i should say too is um because it's a good thing that you brought up that photographer too just because uh uh afterwards like after she's done doing that scene like there's that other scene wherever she's like sitting in the bathroom and she has her head underneath water and she like yells bastards underneath it kind of showing it's something that she didn't want to do but she felt pressured to do it since there's a lot of gaslighting in this um sotasashi khan not khan khan (laughs) Khan! (laughs) um said that darren art arkoski darren aronofsky yeah uh borrowed that scene the bathroom scene wherever like she's yelling underwater because uh that's actually shot for shot in requiem for a dream Huh. Yeah. And Reckon for a Dream was two years after this movie. <laughs> and um, Sasashi actually went and asked him about it because he went and saw the premiere of it. And he's just like, hey, that looks like a shot for shot scene of something that happens in one of my movies that you were also there for the premiere of. He's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that was to pay homage to you, really. And so he says, like, yeah, from now on, I guess uh, if I take someone else's work and use it in my own, I'm just going to call it... Um, paying homage to it that is a like that's always a weird question like what is homage and what is just blatantly stealing yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's always a weird thing because it's like with any media it even like can go down to like what is parody even and what is just yeah stealing yeah, again they never mentioned that movie in Requiem for a dream or anything it's just that scene is just in there shot for shot only with jennifer Connolly. i feel like to be homage it has to be something that fits the tone of it Without actually being the exact thing. Yeah. I feel like when it's the exact composition of the shot and the exact line and it looks exactly the same. That's that's kind of theft. A little bit. And there's also the issue of like back then, this isn't a movie that really would go into in america so no, like americans yeah. wouldn't know the homage. exactly like there's a lot of weird shit exactly because this is a movie that i didn't even know existed until about a couple years ago when they said the anniversary of it was coming out because yeah. even like whenever it came out whenever it came out in america i think in like the early 2000s finally like it was still just like a small cult classic that mostly a bunch of weebs knew about yeah <laughs> that's why but, i knew about it yeah ultimately <laughs> Didn't watch it, but I knew about it. Yeah, like I, I found out about it a couple years ago. Ended up like looking up uh, some YouTube, um, some YouTube videos on it. I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then when I saw a copy of it, I bought it right away. So, yeah. And then also, like I said, I'm gonna butcher his name again. Darren 
Arakoski. Aronofsky. Aronofsky. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky. Darren Karkovsky. <laughs> Darren Tchaikovsky. <laughs> I'm bad with names. Anyways, uh, he yeah, he's actually a really big fan of these movies and his pro- uh, all his production stuff. And he said that he wanted to make a live action version of Perfect Bloom, which never happened. But he did make Black well. Swan. It would work fine. Oh, so you're saying it did happen? He yeah. just made Black Swan. Yeah. And called which <laughs> oh, never so mentions anything actually... about. Yeah, never mentions anything about Khan or anything. Just you know, very similar to Perfect Blue. It would work fine. It takes place in the real world. All it does is cut away. It would work fine. Yeah. It's just I also didn't give a shit about Black Swan. Yeah. <laughs> Black, Black Swan was okay. A lot of people did like put the connection. They're like, hey, this is a lot like Perfect Blue. And he was like, you know, it was a great homage to Perfect Blue. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, this one is not so much, uh, I don't know like exactly what he said because it's not, you know, the so take it with a grain of salt, but yeah, of he tried to make it seem like, oh yeah, this is nothing like Perfect Blue. I don't know what you're talking about kind of thing, even though like people knew that he was a fan um Sashi Khan's work. This is about ballet, not pop stars. Yeah. <laughs> Completely <God>. different. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but yeah, at this point, we're at the climax. Uh, she goes, you know, she's back at home, and everything like seems pretty much the same, except now she has fish again, and the poster that she took down of her old band Cham, whenever she quit the band, is back up again for some reason. And she tries talking to Rumi, like, hey, like, what's going on here? Like, is everything okay? And then, like, she comes out and she's like, hey, look, it's a new uniform. And Rumi is like wearing a red version of the dress that she wore whenever she was in Cham, which also, once again, red dress in this movie, red dress in Requiem for a Dream. Mm-hmm. He also pointed that out, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to fit into the red dress. Uh, this is one of like, the really like interesting shots where um, in Mimi's eyes, she's just seeing basically a clone of herself, the one that's been tormenting her the entire movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but anytime there's a reflection it is actually roomy yeah yeah the dress which is a really interesting well what i think is actually really interesting in the shots is that when she looks at her she sees her as the real roomy but then in the reflection it shows um it shows her as being the fake herself like like imposter syndrome and then when it's uh roomy going through you see the, the real Yumi in the reflection mm-hmm. and the fake one on the outside. Yeah. yeah. So like, Show how they're both see different versions of the same yeah, thing. Yeah. I really liked that shot. There's yeah. a lot of It cool was stuff. really cool how like, they, like, oh, I was going to say, how they use reflections in this entire movie is very, very smart. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, there's a, I think another shot that I think is just amazing is like, obviously this is going to end up in a fight. What else are you going to do with clones? That's how they work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one um, can survive. Uh, Ruby's basically going to murder Mimia, and uh, as she's going for it, Mimia actually starts choking, and it's cool because she starts morphing into Rumi as she's getting choked out. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a really clever way of like meshing the worlds together. Basically, like what is even happening? Yeah, I like this climax a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think it yeah. works well. I think with that climax too, like whenever uh, Mima starts running away from her and is running through, you know, Tokyo at three o'clock in the morning when no one else is awake, yeah. um, how it shows like once again the reflections of the buildings of them, and like it, with that you see the Mima that's like just kind of skipping and hopping to get to or get to the imposter Mima as uh, virtual Mima would say, but you see <laughs> Rumi running and sweating and panting, yeah, and like Bleh. yeah, <laughs> but it also. Comulates down to like this whole big thing of wherever she says like, um, 
like I don't care who you think I'm supposed to be like I am who I am there, there's nothing you can say about that and like rips off the wig that she's wearing to be Mima which takes away the reflection that she's the uh you know the real pop idol and freaks out and like tries grabbing the wig to put it back on to the point that she actually stabs herself with broken glass yeah and goes into another pretty iconic scene where like she's putting the wig on and she like rubs blood on her face to like become Mima again and so you see Mima covered in blood Mm-hmm. Uh, climax was done per- like very, very well. Uh, she's standing in the middle of the street, covered in blood, as a truck goes by, and it's a cool thing where it's like she's like, "I'm in the spotlight now." Yeah, mm-hmm. and then actual Mimia saves her ass. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, which then goes off to like you know the where it's starting, everything's starting to calm down a little bit, and you see Mima, and she's going to see Rumi at the hospital and gives her some flowers and like you know is still trying to take care of her because the person she is today is mostly because of Rumi and like one thing that they actually do say about Rumi and it's kind of a throwaway line I didn't actually see it until this time is that Rumi actually used to be a pop idol whenever she was younger and then lost that spotlight mm. and so she's trying to like relive her glory days through Mima I didn't catch and, that yeah I didn't catch that either, Me either. yeah I barely caught it this time and this is the third time I've watched the movie <laughs> But yeah, it's almost like a throwaway line of just like uh, Rumi talking about like, yeah, whenever I was a pop idol, like this is how he used to. It's like, yeah, well, that was back then. <laughs> then they just never mention it again. But it kind of goes to show that like, you know, she was trying to relive her old past glories through Mima. And whenever Mima didn't, you fit know, that yeah, mold, yeah, fit that mold that she wanted it to. She decided she's going to do what she could to make it fit that mold, which is why she was the quote unquote real Mima that was talking to Mimi. Mamania the entire time and like they were working together to try to you know get this imposter Mima out of the way and I do actually like that because it also explains why Mamania would know so much about right what maybe obviously is a stalker too but like he can't literally be everywhere at once so it would explain why he would have so much information about that right if, and where if he a man might get it, yeah. some of those pictures that he had I think that and it's not like explicitly said that was it that might just be my interpretation of how he would know so much. I mean, it makes sense that he would get the information if it was being fed to him through a manager that's helping her, you know, do all of her everyday things. So for me, me mania didn't exist. It was never real. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think, I think he... that's pretty on the nose with his name. Me mania, my mania. He's germania. Yeah. That's how I got it. Nah. That just seems totally like an exists. internet username to me, but I get... I definitely could see how you could say that because, again, he's often not actually there in the movie. As ex- I like mean, there are a lot of scenes where, ever, like, is he there or is he not really there? Yeah. And, like, it's just her imagination going wild and trying to blame something on everything that's going on because she doesn't know what's going on because she has been terribly gaslit through this whole thing and trying to make sense of everything. And so this one face that she saw during a show one time, she attaches all of her mania and panic too and so everything going wrong in her life and something goes wrong she sees him more that's how i interpreted it anyway okay i think that's fair i definitely think he's a real person like i think he's actually like one of those uber fans i think some of that's because i do see this more as like a kind of commentary on just idol culture in general with japanese so like that's a thing is like these uber fans who for who don't see these as like people basically and are like these are this is my waifu as yeah yeah freaks on the <laughs> internet are saying a lot of times 
So I think that might be why my interpretation is more like that, seeing it as more of a commentary. But since he is so disconnected from everything, I definitely could see why you don't think he would yeah. exist. I could totally see that. Yeah, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Anyway. Which I, I guess some of why I think it probably would be real is I think it explains some of the murders a lot better. Because obviously, like, if he isn't real, the murders would either be uh, Mimia or Rumi. Which I can totally see can, Rumi. Yeah, it could, I just saw it, it as could. Rumi. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, I think I, it makes sense for him because he's not known to a lot of the people, which explains how he can get close easier. But it also explains Rumi because she is a manager, so she'd be of able course. to get close to all of those people that have been killed very easily. Yeah, yeah. And she would also have the inside knowledge of like, oh, this person, this is the person that's causing her to, you know, go off of her pop idol sensation. So, like, he yeah. has to be taken out so she can become the real Mima again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, like, again, this movie can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I, And okay. I think that's a strength of this movie, whereas other movies I might think it's not. Uh, it's just, like, one of those things where it, it does blend, like, the weird triple narrative, basically, of it's either all in her head, all... All in Rumi's head? All in Rumi's head. It could just be the television show, and this is, like just what the show was like there's a million things and like it's interesting to think about all of them i think sense. it's just a combination of all of it it could yeah. be yeah <laughs> that's how i that's how i personally see it is it's a combination of all of it it's a combination of like some of it's happening in the tv show but it's blended in a way to make it seem like it's part of her reality mm-hmm. some of it is her actually some of it is her having a bad grasp of reality some of it's uh Rumi having a bad grasp of reality i just think so, everyone's cray cray yeah I mean, everybody's a little cray cray in this movie <laughs> Might be. It's a little weird of a um comparison. I won't go too because I I think you wanted to see the show, but uh, BoJack Horseman. Oh, mm-hmm. I've seen a little. I bit think of it, yeah. like I you probably know what episodes I'm talking about. I yeah. think it actually does that. That might do it a little better, but that also has the advantage of being made almost thirty years after. Yeah, yeah. I think BoJack does it a lot better, uh, just because of like who the character is. Yeah, me. but like you had, you have eighty minutes four in this movie. seasons yeah. to get to know BoJack, whereas point, this yeah. character you. Like, I know, I can understand a little better because I know what, like, the idol culture and stuff of Japan was. Right. And arguably still is. It is. Because, like, again, like, idol to actress was a common thing, actually, especially at the time. Like, it wasn't uncommon for them to just become the main actress of a random show. Right. I mean, it happened in America, too, with uh, quite a few different pop idols. Yeah. I don't I think it's... I would describe it as a little different in Japan, but... There there is a culture difference, It feels like it's reversed, whereas a lot of actresses become yeah. pop idols. Uh, I mean, it's a l- little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B on that one. <laughs> I think just... the difference for Japan is like being an idol isn't like this big prestige job. Like you're gaining a nine to five and you're gaining a nine to five paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a fucking job that you were picked for. Like you essentially won a contest almost. Like you yeah. put an application yeah. and you got it. Whereas like a lot of celebrity and stuff like that for the most part in America isn't like you were just the one we picked who... 10,000 people, yeah. like, applied. So, like, I think that's where the big difference comes in. Yeah, yeah there are, like, like, I know there are talent seekers in Japan to, like, you know, for people, whether they become athletes for the rest of their lives or musicians or idols or actors yeah. or whatever and else. And like, that's not to say that it didn't happen in the States with, like, of course bands. Yeah. That happens that here a lot. Thing. Yeah. Like, it just, still that, does, I think. Like, Japanese idols are, like, 100% completely manufactured yes. to make sales and to pry on these mm-hmm. weird yeah. otaku and, like, 
of just like pervert perverts in general. Yeah. yeah. Again, you can see that in how like they're not allowed to like be anything but the pure virgins mm-hmm. and never have any relationship because obviously one of the fans might be the boyfriend of them one yeah. of these days. Right. Or yeah. they can just imagine th- themselves as. Yeah. Which that's actually something that happens in the beginning of this movie too is with Mamania is like he shows himself like holding her in his yeah. hand as he right. sees her as this idol. That's why I think he's like a real yeah, real person. I mean, but I don't think Jariah thinks like he's 100% cuz you said like yeah. you think she saw that face and just attached it to the idea. Yeah, I think of, that like, concert thing did happen. Yeah. Okay. But uh, also when it comes to interpretations, like weirdly enough, that ending that Dry complained about a lot, there's a lot of interpretation with that ending. Because when with the whole like, you know, seeing things through glass or seeing things in a mirror and stuff like that, whenever she goes and she sees Rumi, you never see her directly see or talk to her. She's looking at her through glass because she has to see her through a filter. She can't just look at her directly anymore. And then also with that end when they say, like, hey, is that the, the real Mima Kakari or whatever her name is? I I put too much K's in yeah. Japanese words. <laughs> Anyways, um, and then like she looks in the mirror at the very end, says like, "No, I am the real me." I, There's a lot of debate about that for the sole factor that like because mirrors is such a big thing, a lot of people think that uh, Mima was the killer the whole time, and her looking at herself in the mirror uh, to say that she was uh, the real me the entire time is the virtual Mima saying that she was the real her the entire time, and she was using Rumi as a, or she's basically using Mamania and Rumi as a kind of um. What's the word? Um, scapegoats. Yeah, as scapegoats for her to get or get away with these murders. That was an interpretation. Never interp- or It was never intended to be that through the director's eyes. But a lot of people walked up to him and asked him about that afterwards. I feel uh, like if you took it that way, you'd have to say that like ninety percent of this movie just didn't even happen. Yeah. Which at that point but, just feels like a waste of time. I don't, again, it's all interpretations. Like, yeah, this movie is very the, interpretation heavy. Yeah. Like, there's there's also the question of are we already seeing her through her broken psyche and that's why it feels such like weird because like even before that she's already kind of like disassociating just with she's an actress like seeing all the Mm -hmm. other actors like there like she starts like really zoning out all the bright lights are really like causing her to lose focus and like even when she was an idol she was very like disconnected almost like needing to put on that own front for that yeah so again like interpretations like to me this isn't like entirely linear of a story i think like we're seeing the guise of her lens and how it just kept cracking until the end when she could be herself again and like that's that's my interpretation dry can have his interpretation sam and robbie have theirs of course there's a lot of different but yeah so I don't like that interpretation. I, I just I don't like the ending just because it's stupidly cheesy. Like so it cheesy. is cheesy. I'll like I that. said, like oh, this is such a fucking eighties endings. Forgetting this movie was made in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, we should have been past dumb. Like don't you? Yeah, yeah. Forget about me. <laughs> Murdering those fools. Hey, <laughs> yeah, like it's a like I think if you just remove that ending line and just have her like look at herself in the mirror i think i would enjoy the ending way more it's just the corny ass line at the end that gets me it's super corny yeah i guess the last thing that i'll say about this though too is the reason why they say for like the social media era is this was made for you know pop idols and people who were actually like you know big musicians or actors and actresses in the 90s this was kind of made in homage 
to like uh, a lot of their real struggles too because like one thing that was actually happening during the making of this movie which the people who made this movie could have probably knew absolutely nothing about it because it didn't really go out into the public until sometime in the i want to say like late 2000s maybe was the bjork stalker that was happening around the same time that they were making this movie i have no idea what that is so uh god what was his name doesn't matter anyways uh you know bjork famous singer in the 90s in europe mostly um there was from iceland yeah yeah icelandic singer but thank you she's still around now yeah i've heard a couple of her songs and i don't get it but she's very um unique and has a very cool fashion. She was like the Lady Gaga before Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, she had a very bad stalker problem. Uh, I cannot remember the guy's name, but he was very obsessed with her, and he actually had a very similar idea of her. Like he didn't like the way that she was, or the path that she was taking in her life, and everything like that. And he felt like it should be different. So it got so bad that he decided that he was going to send her a bomb to kill her, and then he was going to kill himself, so that way they could be together in the afterlife. This is something that real ha- really happened, by the way. And he had like a little video blog that he was like giving to himself, basically. And he actually even filmed his own suicide with it. Oh, I think and, I uh, saw that video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very disturbing s- series of videos, even with him. Like, oh, that was can- for Bjork? That was for Bjork. Weird. The guy, yeah, the guy who painted his face red and black and yeah. then killed himself. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've seen those I've videos, ever... but yeah. I've never. I didn't. Know uh, it yeah, Bjork. it was for the Bjork stalker. He sent her a bomb, and then he's going to kill himself so they can be together in the afterlife. They found his body bef- and the tapes before the bomb actually got to her, so she was fine. But like, it just sent a very disturbing message of like you know what he was doing, like where his mindset was about this, and the reason why they say like this is kind of a movie for the social media era. Is since this movie deals so hard with personas and avatars and like who you are as a real person and who you are that you put yourself out there is that's much more common these days with things like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and you know so it, like social medias and like different platforms that people can put themselves out on. There's a lot of you know mini celebrities and even micro celebrities that have like small followings. And stalking problems have even gotten worse because of that too. Oh. Like there's even documentaries you can see of like YouTube stalkers. Well, I think it's easier now um, for people to go into like that obsessive mode because oh, it's, absolutely, it's so much easier to actually like contact yeah. these people over like right. social media, and yeah, stuff like and that, and you get to see like you see a lot more parasocial relationships because yeah. of social media, like <laughs> so, you know, someone who has a million followers on Instagram or someone who has, you know, like a million followers on YouTube or something like that. And like, you, you can get a hold of them through Twitter and through Facebook and yeah. like emails and all this other stuff. And so like, because the parasocial relationship has gotten worse or not worse. All right. Yeah. I guess worse is probably the worst. Say, worst. Probably has worse. gotten worse um, throughout more years. Uh, things like, you know, stalking has become more of a problem. Like a lot of YouTubers have to deal with stalkers and a lot of streamers have to deal with stalkers and stuff like that. Therefore, Especially... In a weird twist of fate, this movie became more relevant the older it got because the technology to have these so- sort of parasocial relationships has become. I, I still disagree with that. Yeah. I also, I don't. I, I would say it's kind of a similar thing of like The Simpsons did it. I don't think it became more relevant. I think we just haven't fixed the issues. Right. We definitely haven't fixed the issues. But that's because a lot of people just want to try to ignore it. Well, of course. That's why I mean, like The Simpsons did. People always talk about how like The Simpsons predicted this or that. When the reality is The Simpsons was a satire of modern times 
and we just didn't fix the issues that they were satirizing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah. that was my point. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh we haven't fixed them, but because there are more there's a larger sense of celebrity these days, therefore you know, these problems in a weird way have become bigger. That's because it's more common now, but we still haven't fixed that issue either. But that's why they also that's why people see it as a movie for the social um social media era too. I mean, even though that that wasn't sentence, is it, yeah that wasn't the original like, intention of the movie, but that's what it's become in a I lot of know. people's eyes. I mean, I I I guess, but that really wasn't the social media. What sentence is yeah. just like puts me off. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, this movie was made before the social media era. Like but... it, the, the, I think the problem with the sentence comes down to it's extremely manipulative, and makes it seem like it's going to be about something that it's really not. Whereas you can fit the narrative to fit social media rather than the narrative yeah. is about yeah. social media. But we're we we're, we're kind of getting pedantic. Yeah, yeah. we are. Uh, <laughs> sorry, again, person who wrote the back of the box of yeah. perfect blue on Blu-ray <laughs> and DVD. Um, let's get into final thoughts because we do have another movie to get into. Yeah, yeah. God, take it away, Robbie. So I guess we'll go. E. Okay. What are your final thoughts of this movie? Yeah, I, like I said, I really enjoyed this movie. It surprised me in a lot of ways. I think it really nails the kind of weird non-like. Uh, linear kind of storytelling and really does in a good way make you question what's real and what's not. Um, yeah, I don't... It's just, it's a good movie. I think it really... Everyone should probably watch it if you can handle all the content things. I think it's just really shows why it was cemented as one of the best uh, Japanese films to come out. And yeah, you should watch it. Uh, Eight. Okay. And then going with our initial thoughts of it, Sam, what are your final thoughts? Um, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. Um, I think it was interesting, and I feel like my brain goes down, like, this weird rabbit hole just thinking about everything that went on, because, like, ugh, there's so many different things. Um, but yeah. When it comes down to it, I think it's a mix of everything. Okay. All the craziness. <laughs> but anyway, I guess watch it. <laughs> Shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's worth it. Like you said, if you can handle all the weird yeah, nudity and rapey bits. or And there's gore, I, mean, I guess. Yeah. yeah. There is definitely like blood the in the movie. Yeah. I will say. Which um, doesn't bother me much, but. The rape scene, for me, like, not feeling the weight of it. Like, it goes on for a long time. It's extremely uncomfortable. Well, yeah. Um, so, definitely beware of that. Like, yeah. It's, if that's something that you don't think you can deal with, I think that this might be really difficult to watch for that scene. Yeah. Yeah. But, I I feel like I should, like, actually go watch some YouTube about this now. <laughs> See other people's <laughs> interpretations so I can come up with yeah. my some more and there are some there are some online interpretations if you look up perfect blue on youtube you can definitely find people giving their opinions of this movie i feel like we all had a different idea of what happened in this movie yeah which was in a weird way the idea of the movie one's gonna be like this is actually the prequel to uh black Black swan Swan. (laughs) i was trying to to think of the the requiem there this is the prequel to requiem which is the pre-prequel to black swan oh my god I don't know how that makes a timeline, but it does. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I like this sort of, um, I guess, psychological 
anime <laughs> rather than you know whatever <laughs> yeah rather than magical girl which is apparently the worst thing you can do <laughs> 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 Magic girl fights demon man. Fuck that bullshit. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I I I generally do really enjoy the magical girl genre. So uh, yeah, I that's think that's, fine. I just randomly took a lot of offense to you saying that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, with this movie, there is like that sense where they show like a very cartoonish anime girl at one point in time on the like the on the <laughs> door hilarious. of a video box. Yeah, it was yeah. like I was like showing how like this movie in a weird way is like a lot more realistic uh, within if, the drawings of the characters. If you've ever seen the like how to draw manga books, like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's what perfect, it looks like. <laughs> that's that's a perfect way to describe it. Um but I will say it's not something like I'm angry about or whatever. Like I said, I mostly dislike the fans and the whole like culture and like right. the waifu bullshit yeah. surrounding it. But anyway, <laughs> but I've talked about anime like a million times and yeah. what I think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know what else I can say. Is like if you like this kind of thing and if you like anime, like more the more mature anime, watch it definitely. <laughs> so I guess I'll give it a for me. I guess I'll give it a s- seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Drea, final thoughts. Um, I just want to say I think first and foremost, this really is a movie for the social media generation. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> this is definitely a good commentary about cancel culture and how it. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's fine. I get why people would really, really love it. Um, it's kind of one of my least favorite plot devices in movies. Is like, is it real? Is it not? Because I don't know. There's a lot of movies that do it. Yeah. Um. So like, that probably is also going against it for me. Of like, I just have a pretty negative opinion on that. Like, once Black Swan started doing that, I fucking checked out. Yeah. Once this started doing that, I didn't check out as much because it was pretty. Whereas yeah. I don't think Black Swan was. It was yeah. really gray and dull. Which that was one thing that surprised me because I know that you like to complain about like early animation. No, it's, it's animated really yeah, well. But this, yeah, but yeah, this one is. I, I as long as you don't look at the lip syncs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's always yeah. gonna be that. Yeah, that's always gonna be a problem with animation, yeah, yeah. though. I was just hilarious, like especially at the start. Like, there's two frames for every character talking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like it does the anime thing of like the background really isn't the important thing in a scene. Of course not. Um, but like that's the natural way in animation to pull your attention to the people talking and the people you should be concentrating on yeah, because film does that with just blurring the background yeah. as well. So like, a, there are some really good backgrounds in this movie that they are. use very well. Well, there those ones, they are, yeah. they are trying to tell you something with some of those better backgrounds too. Like, I guess a good example is like a Mima's house feels lived in. There's it like does. stuff strewn about. You can see that she has a PlayStation sitting <laughs> there underneath her TV. She has some fish <laughs> that she's uh, trying to keep alive there. I think the director of this movie was actually trying to say something about the console wars, because mm-hmm. Mima had a PlayStation, <laughs> and the stalker guy had a 64. I think he had no, a he Dreamcast, didn't. actually. No, he had a 64. The, all the controller slots were coming out of the front. It had, like, the curve shape. Hmm. I saw the PlayStation at his house. <laughs> it was definitely... No, it was a different... I thought it was a Dreamcast, because I thought I saw, like, the weird LED and. <laughs> In front, that Dreamcast had, but oh, I see. I, thought, I saw that as the Nintendo sixty four <laughs> logo. <laughs> Who knows? That's the you know more it really, it really for the makes film. you question the movie. Like, what what was the console that the weird stalker had? 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think like your enjoyment of this will depend on your interpretation of it, which comes yeah. down to the life you've lived. Honestly, like Probably. a lot of these movies come down to that, and I think this one more so than most because your predisposition on certain things is going to color your opinion on things that happen in it. Um, it's it's really is de- dependent on what you end up thinking this film is and what it's about and like what is really happening. And I can also see somebody watching this and thinking that's complete fucking garbage because nothing happens in it. Like I can I can see I can see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that a <laughs> preview which of is your... what i'm saying <laughs> i think this movie is completely no, no um it's it's, it's, it's totally yeah, it's fine. fine and i can see why people would absolutely love it i really love the animation i really love a few of the scenes in it i think the voice work itself is really well uh really well done and um but yeah it's not something that i think is going to stick in my mind for very long honestly um like 5.5 Okay. Okay. Like I don't I don't hate it. Slightly above average. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's not for me, honestly. Okay, that's fair. that's fair. Not everything is for everyone. Yeah. But like I said before, and I think we kind of showed this, this movie is very up for interpretation, so I would recommend watching it just because whatever our opinion is, there's a good chance you might have a different opinion. You might see something that we missed. Uh you might agree or disagree with the things that we or takes that we had on this movie. Uh but I really think that is to the movie's strength. Like, they wanted to make a mind-bending twist of a movie, and I feel like they, honest to God, did a good job with uh, making the movie what it is, of, like, questioning on what's really happening. And, like, it makes it very open to interpretation, so you can kind of... It makes it open to interpretation, but it gives you enough pieces to piece together your own picture that you make of this puzzle of a movie. And I think it's it's very well done, especially for the time that it was made. Uh, there's a lot of things that are very of its time, but there's a lot of things that were very forward moving about this movie, too, which is why they kind of look at this like this is a movie for the social media era, which I do agree is kind of manipulative on their end to do it. But I see where they once again, because it's so open to interpretation, where they place those pieces into the movie. But all in all. It is a very well done movie. It made me a fan of this guy's movies. I went out and started like looking for other works that he's done so I can see more of his stuff. And it kind of I don't want to say like led me to a rabbit hole of his movies, but it did lead me to like be a fan of his animations. So just because like in a weird way I do like Paprika a little bit more, I'll give this one an eight point five. <laughs> okay. Um cool. That was Perfect Blue. Yeah. yeah. We are going to take a quick break before we get into the next movie. Uh, hopefully that section won't be nearly as long. It can be much more easily explained. Um, we're going to take a break, though. We'll be right back. Yeehaw, we're back from break. We are, and it's been a long one, so guess what? Another alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> we're hydrated, are you? Make sure to get hydrated with our sponsorship, Water. Also, I wouldn't say I'm hydrated by any means. You drank some water. <laughs> I've had one drank, water yeah. today. He's yeah. had one water, and it's very hot in this room. Yeah. Ooh, that ooh, that tastes like raspberries. Oh, no. That's great. Blue raspberries are just raspberries. There aren't blue raspberries. So just raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> but blue raspberries? God damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, perfect blue raspberry. <laughs> ooh. Ex Machina. Ex Machina, the second movie. Uh, going to be a quick rundown of the plot because the general idea of what's going on in it is pretty simple. Um, it's the discussion points therein that get, or could get more complicated. Um, the whole thing is there's a guy that works at 
the big company, whatever the, the tech big company. tech company is that you can think of, it's that one. <laughs> um, and he wins a contest there to go and spend a week with the boss. Of the company. Of the company. <laughs> it's called Blue Book. It's called Blue Book. It's essentially supposed to be like a Google clone. Yeah. Know? The sad thing is, is the Blue Book is a real thing. It's just how they, it's how insurance companies determine what your car's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, the same Blue Book. Yeah. Definitely not the same Blue Book. This or is, is it in this universe? Dun dun. Actually, the one thing I do want to say is the director of this said when he made this movie, he wanted the timeline of it to always be. This movie, no matter what time it is, is 10 minutes in the future. What? Like, if Google came out and said, like, hey, in, like, 10 minutes, we, like, got an article of, like, hey, we're making custom AIs and stuff like that. Like, you'd be like, wow. I mean, yeah, I bet. Like, that's what he means, like, 10 minutes in the future. Like, you're like you'd be surprised, but, like, not that surprised. Yeah. yeah. It, seems some, it seems like technology that could be just around the corner. Yeah. I mean, it is. I, I guess... A lot of it is stuff we have. Yeah, yeah, it is. Just it, nicer it, versions of things that we already have. The yeah. UI got slightly dated, but other than that, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, he wins that contest, goes and hangs out with his super shitty boss, um, who's like charismatic in a way that you just don't want to talk to. Yeah. And the whole thing is that a Turing test is happening. There is this AI, like the back of the box said, named Ava, who he is going to speak with and he knows it's an AI, which in most Turing tests, you wouldn't know it's an AI. But he hypothesizes in this that the best way to know if the AI is really artificial intelligence at all, and if you would be fooled or it would pass the Turing test, is you know it's an AI. And you know it's not real. And if you are still able to be connected to this thing and believe that it is real, knowing that it isn't. And so the movie gets broken up into these different segments of the Turing test, up to seven of them. And you really get to know this Ava character. She's like in this little prison cell. She's not able to leave. And you just get a whole bunch of dialogue scenes with Ava and our main character. Yeah. It, it movie is mostly just them talking. It's Ava and the main character talking and then the main character talking to his boss. And it's like back and forth between those two. And then like a couple scenes wherever he's just kind of digesting what he did throughout the day and like sitting in his room alone and trying to make sense of it all while kind of stalking Ava because they gave him a TV but the only thing on the TV is just CT or CCT footage of her prison cell basically. Yeah, he's like, "Damn it, I wanted to watch SpongeBob." <laughs> yeah, kind of actually. Um, but yeah, it's um it's all basically a ruse set up to be emotionally manipulative towards our main character, whose name Caleb. Caleb, thank you. And to manipulate him into falling for this Turing test and to fall for Ava, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or if he could fall for Ava. To or... establish a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, the, so that's a, a fun conversation that they have because Caleb starts going into, he's like, I wasn't programmed to be heterosexual. He's like, oh, you weren't programmed? It was a choice for you then? Like the, the billionaire boss says, which is yeah. like really great, actually. Like, it's fuck a... you. Yes, you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that actually is an argument that people do all the time whenever like people choose to be gay. Oh, I'm sorry. When did you choose to be straight? Like what what happened in your life to make you realize like, oh, like I guess I like women, like kind of thing. Yeah, like it's so weird that people even have that argument because it's just Because people don't so understand stupid. anything about how the world actually works. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> 
Um, but like a lot of the joy in this movie does come from the conversation between Caleb and a- uh, Ava and Caleb and his boss. Yeah. And that it's it's those three characters, really. That's yeah. really all this movie is. The other main character can't speak. Kyoko. Yeah. Yeah, she cannot speak. Um which arguably is she is also part of the Turing test, which is fun. That that that's for me the most fun part of this movie is what is part of the Turing test and what isn't. Yeah. I think that's where Perfect Blue and this have a lot in common is where the reality is or where the test actually is. Yeah. Um which for this I enjoy it a lot because I like the idea of the Turing test. It's just really fun and yeah. dumb. I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. They, <laughs> yeah. they do it all the time, constantly. Yeah. And weirdly enough, like, the Turing test and the idea of AI go all the way back to, like, the original story of Pinocchio. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you look down at its roots, like, in a lot of weird ways, because, like, you know, Pinocchio wasn't human, but he had a lot of human characteristics. And so, like, him becoming this wooden, or this wooden puppet to a real boy in a weird way is kind of the Turing test. Like, the, the fairy is kind of his way of saying like whether he can or cannot be a real boy. So in a weird way, it is kind of a Turing test, but like what the Turing test eventually became kind of resides of what Pinocchio is. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Food for thought. Yeah. yeah. And I will say this movie definitely like understands a lot of the concepts behind like AI and what does and doesn't count. Cause like, this is not really that spoiler. At a point, I mean, he, if it is, it's fine. We're spoilers. Yeah, I mean, We're yeah, at yeah, spoiler fine. territory. Yeah. At a point, he's like, "Well, you know, it's kind of like a if you're having a chess machine and you have to this and you have to decide, doesn't know what it's actually doing, or is it just using basic math to determine the best possible answer?" Right? Does it know that it's playing chess, or does yeah. it even know what chess is? Because like that's a big thing with AI in general. Like we're still getting that where it's like. Okay, does the AI actually know what it's doing, or is it just understanding these things as a bunch of numbers? Right. Because, right. like, that's kind of a big thing with AI. With every advancement, you get a bunch of people who are like, yeah, but is it really doing that thing? Without asking the question, does that actually matter? Right, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, with the chess thing, who does it matter if it knows it's playing chess, if it can kick everyone's ass at chess? Right, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is one of the best questions in this of, like, does Ava actually feel or does she think she feel? And what, what, what's the difference? Yeah, what constitutes uh, a real feeling and just an emulation of it? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. The emu- isn't the emulation just as real as the real thing? Right. And she- yeah, because <laughs> it goes into, like, um, so this fucking Google whatever blue book guy yeah. <laughs> is basically, like, using... Um, has basically like um what what Caleb Ava using his technology his program whatever to like uh what 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 would you say like spy on people like collect yeah. data yeah. Ba- collecting tons and yeah. tons and tons of data, collect data which is, is just like, like the something tech that way to say it. <laughs> it was just like probably something that just happens anyway yeah <laughs> um, they, they have a fun conversation about that in the movie too actually about like. Um, how did you like do this? How did you get all this information? He's like, well, I just went into all of the biggest companies and uh, all the phone companies, and I ca- got into their cameras and the phones and speakers, and I listened and saw everything. Uh, and the greatest part of all is they couldn't say anything because if they did, they'd have to admit they were doing it too. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because I think that kind of shows the age where like now it's just like yeah they do that. That's not a yeah yeah it's not a that's like, not a huge secret. It's not a secret. Right. Whereas I think when this came out, that was more like, 
the companies don't listen to us. They just happen to know when I need the app open yeah. on my phone. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of an open secret in a weird way. Yeah. Because 2014 is when he said this movie came out, right? Yep. Yeah, it was kind of an open yeah. secret in 2014, but nowadays we just accept it as fact and like. Yeah, because what are you going to do? Not use a phone? Yeah. Exactly. And then, um,. God, when did that Facebook documentary come out? The one where they're talking about like how they're collecting all of our data and stuff like that. That was like 2018 or something like that. And a lot of people seem shocked about that. And then there's the other side of people who are like, yeah, of course they're collecting all your data. What do you think they're how doing? How do you think they have money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, basically what he's doing is like um, collecting all this uh, data, like f- facial expressions, emotions and stuff from people. And then like this... Uh, AI can like pick up on that and like um emulate that. <laughs> yeah. So, so really the question is is it real or is it just and doesn't matter if it is. Yeah. yeah. But also the real question is humans, do they do the same thing? Is it real? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, right. that's, or is it an emulation of like what other people do or what you know, we've sort of like learned Because, like, the Turing test is to see if Ava can convince Caleb she has a consciousness. And, like, uh, the boss guy kind of suggests that she's basically manipulating him in a way. But he also kind of pieces together, like, the boss guy is also just manipulating Caleb. Oh, yeah. In so many ways. Like, Caleb's like, I didn't actually win a random chance to get to here, right? It was because, like, you saw who was the best coder and stuff. And he, he was like, like nah. you got it, Caleb. And then later <laughs> in the movie, Caleb's like, did it matter that I was a coder? And he's like, it sure didn't. <laughs> it's like, you got so it, like, Caleb. You're an, you're an okay coder. Okay, okay, you're a good coder. You're not the best, but you're good. But yeah. that's, yeah. Not, that's, that's not, not why I chose you. you. That's yeah. not even the most important thing about you. It's that you were a good guy and you were easy to manipulate. Yeah. 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 Which is actually something that's asked for him because, like, Ava decides she wants to question him at one point in time because she makes the argument of, like, what kind of conversation is this if I don't get to ask you anything, but you ask me all the questions and starts asking him questions and then gives him, like, a little lie detector test because she can actually detect, like, micro movements on his face to tell whether he's lying or not, which is, once again, a real thing that people do. That's what a lot of... um, I'm trying to think of their name. Like, a lot of psych evaluation guys do. Yeah, like... That's also how a lot of magicians work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that they can read uh, little micro signs on your face to tell like whether you know you believe something or not, or whether you're lying or not, or blah 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 blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's using that to like basically give him a lie detector test and asks him, "Are you a good person?" And he says like, "I'd like to think that I'm a good person," but like doesn't really give a good answer and something like that. Well, either. that's an interesting. She doesn't like. Well, in every case, she'll usually tell him like if he's lying or not she yeah. doesn't really like give a clear no indication she has a pause a, yeah. but then she's like okay question four yeah. yeah which is a lot of this movie actually it is this entire movie is manipulation which i think she like um probably got a lot of that manipulation like tactics from you know her creators with nathan <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i guess but again she learned from the internet and that's kind of the internet. It's yeah. Just yeah. I mean, true. to be fair, we've actually had some dealings with like people making not so much AIs, but like, you know, some kind of like learning algorithms to like make social media accounts and stuff like that. And the internet has always found a way to ruin it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing I do want to double back to is the beginning of when you enter this place. It's a compound. 
Like, he flies in. It's hours and hours after a helicopter flight in the middle of fucking nowhere. He just owns yeah. all the land and area. It's yeah. like two hours. Yeah, because like, still he, his land. Yeah, he, he makes <laughs> that thing. He's like, so when are we going to be getting to the estate? We've been flying over the estate for the past two hours. Like, yeah. I've, you know what I fucking mean, you asshole. Where yeah. are we getting there? <laughs> which I did make a joke, which apparently like everybody loved that joke of like, uh, just like, oh, Jeff Bezos, he wishes he was as rich as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, sickening, really. <laughs> like the thing that it does cinematic wise that I really like before it even brings it up in the movie, because it does bring it up in the movie. I think the script has a really good way of like making you think about questions and then answering them afterwards in a very sarcastic way through like the conversations between Boss and Caleb. Yeah. Um, you immediately get in there and there's like no windows. There's no way outside. You get a key card that lets you in. Like everything feels very secret and very forced and very hushed hush. And like whenever the boss shows him to his room, he's like, "There's something wrong. There's something you don't like here. Like, no windows, huh? That's because it's a compound." And like explains all that to him. You're in prison. Like, essentially, yeah. yeah. He's like, that's what this key card is for. Like, you know when you're in somebody's house and, like, you don't know whether you're supposed to go somewhere or not, but you want to wander around because it's human nature. Like, you just, you'd use this key card. If it lets you in, you're allowed. If not, you're not, you don't get to go in there. Simple. And it's like, yeah, it's what I was saying. He presents it in a way that's very, like, oh, you know, I'm your pal, I'm your friend. But he's presenting, like, don't fucking touch my shit. Yeah, yeah. he's put, he's. He's making it seem like a very nice way of saying, here are your boundaries. Yeah. 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 You can't do this, this, and this. This is off no limits. no sunlight. Yeah, yeah, basically. Like, it's, this whole movie is just complete manipulation from the second it starts. Yeah. yeah. Which, I guess another thing he does with that, too, uh, when it comes to the way that he talks to Caleb, is also in the way of, like, so what do you think about her? And, like, he starts giving, like, his analysis of it and how it's great technology and how it would be working with this. And he felt like it might be like a tree of different responses that he can go off with this one response. It's like, Hey, I didn't fucking ask you for an analytic response. I told you like, what do you think? Like, is it cool or not? Yeah. Like, dude, I don't give a shit. Like we can talk about this all day, but like, how do you actually feel about this? Yeah. Which it's an even more asshole way of saying like, just give me a yes or no answer, please. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Well, he, and he always wants shit that'll stroke his ego. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. An amazing line at the start is like when he's talking about what he's about to do with the AI and how it like will sur- kind of pass the Turing test. Basically, um, Caleb's like, I mean, this isn't like mankind's work. This is like the work of a God almost. And then <laughs> He, the boss twisted that later and was like, it was like that thing you said about me where you're like, you're not a man, you're a god. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, that, that's, that's not what I said. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good, yeah. Like, I think that, I th- the stuff with the Turing test is really interesting and fun in this, but the parts that, like, really bring me in are the conversations between Caleb and the boss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, they are just acted really well and so fucking charismatic. Like, holy fucking yeah. shit. They both work very well off of each other, which is... His name's not Oscar. Oscar Wilde. What the fuck is his name? <laughs> Isaac Oscar? <laughs> Oscar Meyer Wiener? Oscar Meyer Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's Oscar Isaac. Os- like, Oscar Isaac and other character. <laughs> Caleb. Caleb. Uh, Caleb. <laughs> they both work... Like, both those actors work very well off of each other. Yeah, they do. They, they really have do. a very good back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still, I like I said earlier, I still don't really like Caleb because he's just, again, intentionally, obviously, but he's such a, like a wet blanket 
he cracks jokes and stuff, but like, right, like he's such a not nothing of a character. Ultimately, he kind of he needs to be for this movie to work in yeah. a lot of ways. But I just I'm not interested in him. I liked him. I don't think like he like, has a bunch of like characteristics. Like man, this guy. Yeah, like like everything about him is generic. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a really nice dude. Like you wouldn't think twice about talking to him like on the street or like you meet him in a Starbucks, you have a conversation. You're not gonna remember him the next day. Like he's just some <laughs> nice dude. Like he's yeah. nothing wrong with it. He's just a nice guy though. Yeah. Like he's just he's just a guy, works a nine to five job, has a has a small apartment, but you know, it's a five minute walk from work and it's a five minute walk from the beach, so it works. It all says parents are dead, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like nothing about him is spectacular. He's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's Except the fact that he after... watches parents die. <laughs> his yeah. parents are dead. Yeah, nothing spectacular. I don't like, get it. He watched his parents <laughs> die in a car crash that he was a part of. Nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah which <laughs> That goes, there's a lot of things that go into theories about what I think uh, is really happening in this movie, which I don't think I've thought about it long enough for it to, like, me have complete facts on it, but I don't think the Turing test is about Ava at all. No, I don't think so either. Mm, No, not really. I feel like it's more about Caleb's character, which, in a weird way, like, this isn't what happened in the movie, but for a second there, I was thinking everybody but Caleb was an AI in the movie. Like, there's a a second in the movie where I was thinking that. And there was like 10 seconds I was curious if Caleb was an AI. Could- well, I, yeah. I feel it, I th- it tries is. to make you think that like... That maybe he could be an AI. Because yes, there is a scene like where he realizes that Ava's not the only AI there. Which, I guess, mm-hmm. big spoiler for the movie. Yeah. That he starts to question whether he's an AI or not and he actually slits his wrist open in yeah. the bathroom to like see if he happens, if he'll believe like a real person. Because he yeah. just doesn't know anymore because everything gets so convoluted and so manipulated during this yeah. test. And there was like interesting stuff at like at the start you could see he has this big ass scar on the back on his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it and never I was like, explains Oh, that. that's interesting. I wonder that if like that's from like book? from something, if that was like I I thought he might have been like surgically implanted something at a point. Actually, it's probably the car crash thing. Now it might be the car, crash, the car crash, but you know. You never I, know though, too. Yeah. This goes into yeah. I think the comparisons to Blade Runner of like his memories could be planted. Like, yeah. his entire life could mm-hmm. be a plant. Like, I will say, this movie strikes me as the guy saw Blade Runner and wanted to make his own kind of twist on it. <laughs> like, he saw Blade Runner and he wanted to do it in three rooms. Yeah, he saw Blade Runner and <laughs> Ghostbusters and yeah. really wanted to go <laughs> Yeah. In a weird way with this movie, too, this movie feels... It feels almost cheap because there are just the three characters in this movie, but it feels very expensive at the same time because well, everything, four. like, the rooms that you do see in this are very luxurious rooms. Yeah, like, the amount of detail in making this feel like a rich asshole's place, but also a dungeon. Like, both feel believable at the same time. Yeah. A rich asshole's dungeon. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I think the character work in this is just really well. And it's funny, because this is a movie that both of them did when they were transitioning into big Hollywood movies. Um, They were both very small time, and then, like, literally... I think it was the same year or the year after Star Wars came out and they're both in that. Oh, yeah. Like, this was their transition into big time almost. Very this is kind of their proof that they could uh, do big time movies in a weird way. Yeah, because, like, both of them were, like, very small actors. Like, I think before this, the guy who plays Caleb, his biggest movie was About Time. Okay, I was going to, because I did recognize him, actually. Yeah, he's And I was going to ask you where, and that's probably where. Yeah. yeah. And then the guy who plays Poe Dameron had, like, a bunch of small roles, but really... This was around the time when he started really getting noticed. Um, and Star Wars was like his big moment. 
But for me, like this is the movie that defines him as an actor, I think. Yeah. There's definitely more character to his more character to this character than there is to Poe. Like Poe is a good character in the Star Wars movies, don't get me wrong. But he's no boss. Like that guy like the way oh, that I I feel okay. one of the better ways to describe the boss in this is he's someone you'd like to hear stories about but you don't want to be a part of those stories. I mean, he he's your he's the boss. Like I yeah. feel like everyone knows that boss at yeah. some point in their life. Yeah. It's just like Yep, you sure crack those jokes and I'll pretend they're funny. <laughs> kind of, yeah. They are funny in the movie, obviously. Because He's extremely witty. Yeah. Apparently, this Caleb guy is also in The Revenant. Yeah, he is. He he's the, the guy. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's the, the bear. No. <laughs> no, he was. Um... He's the guy who owned the company for the furs. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Which yeah. was also around the time of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. That's his big role. Being the Which I guess kind of shows how much of a chameleon actor he could be because the ro- his role in Star Wars, his role in The Revenant, and his role in this are all three very different roles. And, and also his... Mother, which is a haven't seen that movie. movie. Mother, uh, it's, it's the the pretentious game. one you like to hate on with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. It was the prequel uh. to Earthbound that never came out to uh, in America. <laughs> oh God, I fucking hate Mother oh, so much. It's terrible. <laughs> but uh, fucking hate it. That's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not. I don't. That doesn't sound like a movie I'll watch. But you know, if Dry know. feels like shitting on a movie, maybe we'll watch it. Only if I'm allowed to just play the original Mother and talk about that while you guys shit on the movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but back to this. Also, I should yeah. say the uh, the actress who played Ava did a really good job too, because she did. Yeah. One thing that I liked about her character that she did very well is she went back and forth very seamlessly between giving a computer answer and giving a human answer. So like kind of show like she is AI and she is trying to pass the Turing test, but she also is still just an AI and she gives AI answers sometimes. Cause like some of the answers she gives are very similar to like, almost like a, Hey Siri, like how do I get to pizza hut from here? Yeah. Yeah. Answers. Well, she's also very self-aware. Yeah. Too, Mm -hmm. because I mean, she cuts the power off just to like, talk to him but that's yeah. also like another well we find out later that's like another manipulation yeah. tactic yeah. sort of it is a manipulation tactic but she makes it seem like it's almost not because he's like I don't know if these power cuts are real and he's actually just like listening to us to see what it sounds or to see what it uh, what, how we talk whenever we're not being watched and she's like no I'm the one who cuts the powers so that way we can see what we sound like whenever no one's listening to us yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, with what you were saying about her kind of switching between AI and uh, human sounding, she it really strikes you as like someone whose like second language is English. I would say, where like everything's Almost. technically right, but it's just not phrased in the way that would make sense. Not how somebody who speaks the language fluently would say it. Yeah, yeah. So like it's like that, and I that really helps because it's like part of the kind of uncanny valley effect of yeah. her, where it's like you're 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 right, but like. It's just not there. It's just off. And yeah. it's the thing that, like, why Caleb is such a good subject for this is because he wants to believe it already. Like, he's been yeah. put in that situation. He's been treated like royalty. He's been flown out here. He won this amazing contest. Or he, well, he thought he won an amazing contest. He was just handpicked yeah. for it. Yeah. To this um, amazing place. And he's, like, hanging out with, like, the richest man in the world. Yeah. And he was handpicked to be the guy that does this test. Yep. He was so good at coding. So he immediately wants to be the guy who, like, like, yeah, no, totally. I'm the smart guy who said she passed the Turing test. Like, he wants to be the dude that does that. It, it's from the go. It's manipulation. Yeah. The yeah. whole thing. 
Even the guy is like, don't you want it? When he goes to sign the contract, he's right. like, don't right. you want to be the guy? The guy. Yeah, you he's don't want to like, look back, you know, a few yeah, months a from, year now, from now yeah. or whatever. He's be like, like, man, and- I should have a lawyer for this NDA. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty sketchy. Yeah, he's yeah. like, uh, yeah, uh, I, I want you on this, but the first thing you have to do is sign this NDA. And he starts reading through. He's like, you can just go and read everything, even if I, it's in private and I say it's in private. You can just listen to me or look through all of my stuff at any point. He's like, yeah, pretty standard. He's like, it doesn't seem standard. Yeah, okay, it's not standard, but yeah. you don't want to be the guy a year from now who says what if and could have been there for it, right? Like, super fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, super manipulative. Yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the point of the movie. Yep. Yeah. How uh, do you manipulate everyone else? Kind of, that's yeah, how to yeah. be a real human. <laughs> kind of, actually. <laughs> and uh, which is kind of interesting, because later on, Caleb sort of learns... To manipulate a bit, yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's that's another point of the is like Caleb falls for her in a heterosexual way. <laughs> yeah, I I I keep like because like it's just brought up. It is such a like intentionally again, obviously yeah. like mm-hmm. silly way of like describing anything. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the weirdo who doesn't like relationships at all. I'm less human than the robots in these movies because <laughs> yeah apparently boss man designed her to be heterosexual because what is like going forward with ai without there being sex involved in some way shape or form yep which is kind of true for the sole factor that like you know real dolls is a thing and that's was made basically like you know the most realistic dolls are made for sex yeah but i mean like he makes a good point like sexuality is a part of being a, a person oh yeah for the most part. <laughs> I mean, I got it. Because like, he was like, what species? There's like so many like asexual species that exist. And it feels weird in this like scientific movie and stuff. Like, But there's arguments like, ah. for species that are asexual of whether they really fully have consciousness or not, actually. Because yeah. all scientists can really think of like a lot of asexual species is like all they really do is manipulate it. Or not manipulate. Is <laughs> <They> multiply <laughs> anyways. Yeah. I mean... Can't have can't that be said for every reproducing? <laughs> such a, I caught myself. That's such a pretentious ass thing. To say. <laughs> I, like again, my enjoyment gets hampered by the fact I don't give a shit about relationships in most movies. So I don't. That's the thing, though. I don't think you're supposed to give a shit about the relationship in this. I think you're supposed but more to like, about if he feel like it's a thing, whereas I don't because it's like VC. It has like the de- it already is the de- like me separated because like even if it was two human beings being like wowie zowie we're in love as human beings do. Um, I think that's one of the smart things about this movie uh, though is you think you're supposed to like agree with them being a relationship, right? Yeah, well, I was. But gonna, like that's I was gonna say I feel like the movie is trying to mil- manipulate yeah you yeah. into like thinking this is an important thing when well, like. It's not. It's not even, like, it's not even, like, I don't even, like, in my head, I don't even get why Caleb feels anything. It's because he's told he should. I don't know, I guess. He keeps being told, like, do you feel something for? He keeps getting brought up, so he's getting positive assurance, like, it's okay to feel something here. It's okay to want to be attracted to this person. And also, he's like, um, did you program her to, um, be flirty with me? Did you program her to, like, um... I don't know, 
sort of like feign this interest in me or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then like even he, like at the end, he's like, "Did you design her face based off my pornography searches?" Yeah, <laughs> and like he admits, like yeah. if any, if a search engines are good for anything, right? Yeah, yeah. He like yeah. he very specifically made this thing to appeal to everything Caleb wants, mm-hmm. right? So like, yeah. a lot of manipulation in this movie (laughs) yeah basically like that's why i like about it though because like even the movie itself is set up to manipulate what you think you're supposed to want to happen in this right you want the guy to come in and save the princess from the castle that's what you're supposed to want like Mm -hmm. like the blade runner comparison like it it's the way it sets itself up is clearly to be kind of like the first blade runner where he gets the ai and they go off into the sunset and be happy go luckies and all that and and blade runner also was like i don't understand why that all happened and you're like no nah, e that's love whereas this one i'm like i don't understand why all that happened and you're like nah e it's not love it's manipulation <laughs> it's manipulation so i don't know i'm getting mixed signals maybe so, i think you're supposed to with this movie though like that's kind of the whole thing because he keeps on saying like hey like she's hot right like you like the way she looks and like well why'd you want to make her like that anyways like because why not like but I think there's a lot of discussion there, like what, what is human nature versus what we think we should feel or think or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it also goes along with like a machine that could pass the Turing test could probably also um, pass a psych valve too. So yeah. they would know like what makes a person tick. So how can I manipulate this person to do what I want them to do? Yeah. And 99% Which, of the time, I guess the answer is to give them a stiffy apparently. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> Humans are very simple. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason, like, whenever somebody, um, there's a reason why post nut clarity is actually an internet thing where they say, like, you need to think about this after you get off. Like, you are you sure you want to bet all that money? Maybe you need to go and take care of something and yeah. come back first. It's not really yeah. an internet thing, it's just like the new name for it. It's just, it's like. It's not a new concept. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here's something. The more I hear, the less makes sense. So here's the thing, E, that I, I don't know if you experienced this or not. <laughs> I don't think so. But like, I don't think so either. Um, but like when you're extremely horny, uh-huh. this is going to be an awkward conversation. Yeah. When you're extremely horny, like your mind really genuinely does get clouded with like, I need to fulfill this one thing. And yeah. like the longer you don't have it, the more your mind starts to get clouded. Like, I want to fulfill this one thing. And so you start to do things to put yourself in the position to do that. Mm-hmm. Like your brain really does manipulate you into like uh, heard, forcing into this situation. I've heard the opposite. Like you should, you shouldn't wait until after you stop being horny to draw and stuff like that. So I don't know. Okay. That seems like a weird furry thing. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Well, no, they say like it's used a lot for like one of those things. Like, hey, like I think I'm gonna go bring bring this girl home with me tonight. Like I don't know, man. Like. Do you really want to bring her home with you? Like, do you really want to bring her home, or you just want to bring somebody home? Right. <laughs> and it's one of those like, do you really want to make this decision? And then like the post nut clarity of being like, after you finally get off, and like you realize like, oh my god, what have I done? Kind of like, thing. there is a lot of like common sense that just gets thrown out the window when when you, you just need your you genitals have, touched. Yeah, like genuinely. Like I know it's <laughs> weird, but yeah. genuinely. Yeah. So <laughs> To answer the initial question you posed, no, I don't understand or get this. Basically, what we're saying is this guy needed to like get he his rocks off and then make a decision. Dick sucks, is what you guys yeah, me. yeah, yeah. He really needed to get off before making some of these decisions. Like, if he just like 
took care of himself in the bathroom before going and recoding that the security system. Like it, this ending never would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of what we're saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> for how uncomfortable it is to listen to that, that's what we're saying. It's not like I just don't get it. Like what? The, what? I know it's weird. I, know, I totally agree. It's weird. It's weird, weird, but he really. He really wanted that AI to touch his pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like the boss should have encountered this. He should have put another, like, whole... Like, he has all those, like, speaking things in the glass. He should have just put, like, another one towards the bottom, then. Put a then. glory hole <laughs> in the glass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is that not the solution here, then? <laughs> no, because that doesn't I, help him with manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, is he actually kind of gets that chance in the movie, because, like, the other girl... Are, the, Kyoko. Yeah, Kyoko, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyoko, like, kind of goes like she wants to have sex with them for a second. He, he keeps on telling her to stop and knock it off and stuff like that because he's realizing he's being manipulated and he realizes that's part of the manipulation. That's why he stops her. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say she wants to. I feel like it's sort of saying that she's programmed. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's in her she's code. programmed. Yeah. yeah. To be like a sex bot. Basically, yeah. yeah. Slave, sex she slave. Was, she yeah. was a failed version of Ava. And so she was turned into a sex bot. Yeah, very. Yeah. Which it looks like he did to all of them, actually. Also, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Which we find out later on that she's, um, also manipulative. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, actually. Yeah. Also, we like it's probably a point, but it's so weird to me that they were like, "Yeah, the the sex thing, uh, Asian." What I mean, that's just a very like stereotypical thing. Yeah, I was gonna, that's like probably Asians they probably like, did that on purpose. Yeah, because well, yeah, 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 Asian women are very sexualized, especially in Western culture. Yeah, uh, like won't even get into that. Here's yeah. the thing: I think this screenplay is like pretty fucking airtight. Yeah, of like even with the themes coming forth to the person watching it, like mm-hmm. it's the theme. Like we've said a million times, Close, but manipulate no manipulation. <laughs> manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, can we think of another like a synonym, synonym for manipulation? Gaslighting. <laughs> I mean, that's also a theme in this. Yeah. Um, but because a lot of his like uh, him like just kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you should feel this way about her. Like, well, did you just program her to like me? He's like, come on. Like the only person she's talked to besides you is me. Of course she likes you because I'm like her dad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think like that's a lot of gaslighting that he does right there. Yeah. Like the that's. The thing that I like about this the most is it's manipulating the audience while it's telling the story. That's what I like about it. It's fun. Not fun. <laughs> but I mean, it's, like, like, interesting that it's effective, actually. Yeah. Again, like, I I do like the twist, but it's one of those, like, I don't know, like, on a rewatch, it won't do as much for me. So since there's not as much of the other stuff I was into, it probably, like, the first initial viewing, that's cool. Great. I just don't think I'll have as much on the rewatch. I think rewatches for me. I've enjoyed it more every time. Actually, maybe it's that it's that Blade Runner kind you of. You watch like, it after the post note clarity. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like. He keeps on seeing these naked AIs, and that just makes him want to watch it again. <laughs> like, oh my god. Um, as as a as a foil to Blade Runner, I think it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like I said, this is something that's been discussed in a lot of other medias. Like going all the way back to Pinocchio is the of earliest course, yeah. one I could think of. When it comes to, like the Turing test and what makes a person a person and a human a human and what is an emotion, what's an emulation of it, which I feel like an emulation of a emotion is manipulation. Yeah. So it sure. works very well with this movie because of that. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk about the ending here and sure. then wrap yeah. up real fast because we're running. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Ending of the movie. Uh, Ava tells him that she's scared because like she doesn't want to be depro uh, not deprogrammed. She doesn't want to be yeah turned off and like basically killed. Yeah. In a way, and he is sympathetic to her because he sees her as a person, even though he knows she's an AI. Mm-hmm. And so, because one thing that we didn't discuss, but is very common throughout the movie, is his boss is very much an alcoholic. Yep. Like, Super. The very first thing he says to him too is just like, man, sometimes I. She need to work out to get rid of that hangover. Oh, it must have been a nice party you had last night. What party? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, one of the very yeah. first things he says in this movie. It's like, yeah. okay, he's an alcoholic. Yep. Yeah. And you just see him getting like blackout drunk all the time in this. And he takes one of those advantages to like take his key card so he has like unlimited access to go wherever he wants to and see whatever he wants to see. And like he uses this time to like, you know, mess around the computer and see that like he's being violent towards Ava. And so he feels like this is very toxic and he needs to get her away. Very much of the, the knight in shining armor saving the princess mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then towards the end tells or during one of the power outages tells her like, I'll reprogram the doors. Cause all the doors are programmed currently to where they lock down whenever the power goes out, but I'll reprogram it to where all of them will open again whenever they, they power out it or whenever the power goes out. I will get him blackout drunk. I will take his card. Um, you can make a. I'm thirsty. Make a run for it. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we... we'll run into the sunset and be like, yeah, whoopee kaye. <laughs> Happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets to that day and he's like, hey, no, it's my last day here. How about we celebrate with a drink? Oh, no, man, I'm good. What do you <laughs> mean you're good? I've been too me... many times yeah, now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I've really been going overboard lately. I think I'm... it's just going to be sparkling water and brown rice for yep. me for a couple of days yeah You're like oh i guess i'll drink have this drink alone, alone. yeah <laughs> and the is like yeah a vodka at like in the a.m yeah <laughs> day drinking he's trying to just sip it because it's vodka yeah, yeah yeah but and then kind of reveals to him that he has been manipulated not just by ava but also by him this entire yeah. time and like tells him that he knows way more and a lot of this a lot more of this has been orchestrated than he because he asked Caleb, like, well, what do you think is the results? And Caleb's like, you did it, man. This is Turing. <laughs> and now, like, this is what I call Turing. Yeah. And the boss is like, Volume wow, 9.6. what about that chess problem you were talking about where it's, like, a debatable if it actually matters and if she loves you or not? Or maybe it's manipulation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy that vodka. I really like just, like, the shitty way he says that. Because, like, yeah. he's like, you think she passed? Like, yeah, yeah, you you really did it, man. Like, what about that uh what about that chess problem you were talking about, you know? Yeah. Like the shitty way yeah. he says it. So makes I, me want to punch him in the face. That entire scene <laughs> makes you want to punch him in the face. Cause even whenever he shows him that like he manipulated him the entire time, whenever he's like showing him the proof that like he's yeah. being manipulated by both sides. Yeah. He kinda get he kinda talks to him in that way of like, ah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super condescending. Yeah, because that's yeah. where he reveals everything, even to the point like Caleb isn't. It wasn't because Caleb was a good coder that he was put there. It's because he's a decent dude. Yeah, he's oh. just a good guy who wants to do the right thing, and very easily will be put into that place. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, and also, I think part of it had to do with the fact that like he, Caleb is like the um, the base model of someone who needs a relationship of some kind. His parents were taken from him at a young mm-hmm. age. He's a single person who works a coding job and doesn't have a lot of friends, if any friends at all. So like he needs companionship in some way, shape or form. 
so he's easily manipulated because when like we said earlier Caleb need pee pee touch yeah <laughs> for if you want to be technical yeah. about it yeah. that is the technical term yeah. and he like he's like yeah I even put up a camera in that room for the next blackout where he's like I saw you guys talk about it wow you sure all, you sure would have got me huh how would you have how would you have fixed it so that everything would have been okay during the next blackout and Caleb's like well. I was going to make it so all the doors would be unlocked during the lockdown instead of locked. He was like, you know, that might have worked, Caleb. He was like, sure hope it did. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that two days ago. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> really good. And he decks Caleb in the face. Yeah. So the most human response of, like, the guy got one up on him and he thinks he's the smartest guy in the world. Yeah. He's like, I hope it works. And, like, it happens. He's like. No, like, words. He just turns around and punches Caleb in the yeah. face. <laughs> so Ava is escaped, and the boss is like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> this so, is one step farther than I wanted it to so, go. So Ava manipulated Caleb, but also manipulated the... Um, Kyoko? Kyoko. Reprogrammed her, even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they had, like, a, a thing, I guess. And Kyoko, like, stabbed fucking, what's his name? The boss, boss man. Boss man. Yeah. Does he have a name for this movie? Probably. Oscar Isaac. I'm going to look at it. Brilliant CEO. Oh, he's just brilliant CEO. CEO. Okay, so boss man. He probably has Nathan. Nathan. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. right. Yeah. <laughs> Which now really, about oh, it, right, he I calls remember. him Nathan <laughs> yeah, a handful like, of times. Hang on, they say just... Nathan a lot in this movie now that we think about it. Yeah, so Nathan like goes over because he's gonna just murder all the robots in existence now. And uh he's not very good at it. No. No. <laughs> like he even has like this whole big thing where like they have a small fight and then like he basically wins the fight. And, like, okay, like I'm gonna put you back in your room now, okay? And like as he's getting ready to help her up, he breaks one of her arm off, ar- arms off just mm-hmm. because he can. Yeah. And then goes to pick her up again and then walks backwards into a very sharp knife. Yeah. Extremely sharp. Yeah. Hot knife do butter. <laughs> so both uh, Kyoko and Ava kill Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nathan kills which, Kyoko. I feel like he has he the perfect down. response to like for his dying words even just fucking unreal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way he says it too because yeah. like what would you say in that situation? Yeah. Like, the yeah. AI you literally programmed stabbed you in the back and that's it. Like yeah, fucking it unreal. You in the front and twisted the knife. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to unmake your maker. The horny <laughs> the fucking horny kid you found on the street just is, fucked you up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Ava escapes, leaves Caleb there. Yeah, because uh, the yeah, she even doors. yeah, she straight up just like steals the key card from him and leaves him in a locked room, and mm-hmm. then yeah, she's like she it's a the thing at the start she was like close your eyes and she changed into clothing, mm-hmm. and here it's like stay here and she changed into skin. <laughs> yeah, she just yeah. takes the skin from all the unused models. Yeah. yeah, or she just has to like peel off and. Stick to her, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah and then <laughs> which, she just locks the door. Which, really enough, kind of works with like that honeycomb design that you said that you don't like. But if you look at the back end of the skin, the back end of the skin is also honeycomb, so it just like fits onto them. Yeah. Which, it does. like you said before, this movie's CGI is top notch, so even by today's standards. It's good. so good. I think it's about like it just kind of like is 
little bit added to what it was needing to add to whereas instead of like trying to add this big old like monster or anything it's just like yeah it's just like cyber mesh yeah yeah it it was simple and through its simple design it was perfect for what they needed for this movie like in a weird way it's kind of like the cgi for um for like the terminator 2 because they needed him to be liquid metal so he's basically just like a giant mirror which is easy enough to do even in 1990 but like it was very limited up. what they could do, and they did it very well for that movie. I would argue that the liquid metal in that movie holds up really well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Actually. But, like, the CG is honestly seamless in this movie. Yeah. Like, it, it is hard to tell that it isn't real. Yeah. It very much, like, whenever she's walking around her AI suit and everything, it very much looks like basically a robot wearing a human face. It yeah. doesn't look it like someone creepy. wearing a suit. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, it. I imagine it eventually might age poorly. Like, maybe it looks bad on 4K. But, like, it looks so good here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she, she manipulated le- all of them. She basically leaves Caleb to die in that room. Like, yeah. he's, he's eventually just going to yeah. starve to death in that room. <laughs> she even shuts the power off when she leaves. Yep. Yeah, so he can't use a computer. Yeah. And then she... Pitches a ride on the helicopter that's supposed to pick Caleb up. Yeah, he's yep. like, uh, yeah, that's one person, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's probably paid to not ask many questions. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> even if he was paid to ask questions, like, she's already shown she's a master manipulator. She's done it to two men who find themselves to be very smart. Yeah. She can do it to a guy who just operates a helicopter. She's like, here's $50. Sweet! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, really enough, real world, world tactic, that would work. Like, hey, here's some money. Don't talk about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, she escapes, gets into society, and disappears. Literally, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just disappears amongst the humans. Which, like, it's such a weird thing because, like, there's not really like a good guy in this movie. No, no. there's not exactly a protagonist or an antagonist, like at all. It's just people and manipulation. Yeah, like it's like you- this movie's more of an idea than it is people <laughs> yeah like you want to cheer for her but at the end you're like she just fucked like everything yeah up. it's like you don't want to but like also you... she might just be the downfall of all humanity who knows <laughs> also that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's at the end it feels sort of ominous just like the last very last yeah, scene. yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it's supposed to yeah but it's the way she just like literally disappears she doesn't like walk into a crowd and you lose her like people just walk past her and then she's just gone yeah you just don't know where she went yeah, yeah. Who's to say if she's human or not? No, well, no, she's not. They Who's to a, say what makes a, a human? Do robots walk among us? I wonder what, what she is. dreams of. Eggs. Electric sheep? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name of that test in uh, Blade Runner. I can't think of it right now. Void comp test. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the anyway. Harrison Ford test. Can you get past Harrison Ford? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's do some final thoughts and scores here. Let's start off with Sam. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, like I said previously, I feel like it does feel a little long. I think at a certain point, um, you kind of wish it would speed up a bit. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I guess you don't really have to watch it since we just like explained the whole everything and the and we spoiled the ending. 
<laughs> I disagree. It's too late. No, nah, go watch it. It's good. Um, I would give it like I don't know. I guess like an eight. Yeah. Nice, Robbie. So I also enjoyed this movie. As we can tell tonight, I like mind-bending thriller movies or <laughs> just movies that make you think and you can have a discussion over whether it's like the Turing test or reality and social media. <laughs> this is really a movie for the social media times. <laughs> <Yes>. It is. <laughs> um, Are you talking to a bot? Who knows? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually. Hmm. I mean, also uh, talking about that too, like uh, real world applications of something like this is like Cleverbot is a good example, but like, that's not nearly as advanced as what this seems because, like, it, you can find out the tricks of what Cleverbot is doing and, like, realize, like, yeah, you're just talking to a bot. You're not talking to an actual person. Which shows that, like, this technology, like, they're trying to make it, but it's still far away from what it is. And, like, yeah, there always has been that question of, you know, the Turing test and, like, what would happen if a machine became more or just as human as an other human and, like, what would that make us and blah, 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 blah. And, like, people like to ponder on that and I, I guess I'm one of those people because I do enjoy watching movies like this it, it's something that makes you think it's something that you can hold a conversation with and that's mostly what this movie is is a bunch of conversations between three people yeah uh like I said it is very reminiscent of like the first season of Westworld because there's a lot of like Turing test conversations that happen in that too and a lot of that whole thing of like you know making a person a person and like what it would take for the Turing test to actually work and like what are the um, consequences of something like that happening? Like, th- there is a lot of discussion just within like the general topic of it, and we'll, we've been talking about it for a long time, like just throughout history. And we probably will talk about it more throughout history too, as the technology advances even further. And this movie does it very, very well. Like, there's certain things that I can nitpick about it, like you know the fact that it is a very much a slow burn movie. Uh, some of the semantics of it, like how is she going to be able to charge her battery because she does say she uses an induction charging and then she has an entire bed made just for that and probably not out in the real world but that's neither here nor there about well, the movie is, nor is it the point this is 10 minutes in the future so yeah. you know yeah so <laughs> mm, mm, yes <laughs> uh, but like that's neither here nor there so like th- there's like things to nitpick about the movie but overall it is a very solid very well done movie like acting is solid CGI is solid storyline is solid uh, all in all a good movie I'd also give this one an 8.5 alright very good very enjoyable movie E. Hello. You? Apparently, my enjoyment of this movie was impacted by my failure to achieve post nut clarity. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's on you. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's good. It just like I have a very similar thing to you had with Perfect Blue, where I just think because like in my mind, it's just kind of set what all the thing is. Yeah. I don't like feel, like I said earlier. I don't really feel like I'm gonna keep thinking about this movie. Whereas I do think I'll be thinking about Perfect Blue for a while, just like thinking of what I felt did and didn't happen. Whereas this, I'm like, this happened. Okay. And well, I think a lot of it too is because like there's that relationship that you just do not care about. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Guy and robot. I could just watch my life as a teenage robot if I want that. Let's go. uh... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um. Yeah, it's good. I, it's not bad, and I definitely think it would be very enjoyable to watch for everyone, and especially like if you like, if you like things like Blade Runner, definitely give this a go. I think this is a very, like I said, I think this is a good foil to Blade Runner, whereas Blade Runner is a very hopeful message, 
about what it means to be human and what is AI and does that even fucking matter? <laughs> this is a very dystopian message about what it means to be human and what is AI and does that even matter? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Seven. Definitely worth the watch. Uh, Maybe after nutting. <laughs> <laughs> Getting them all out now. I'm not going to ever talk about that. I doubt that will ever come up again. Um... <laughs> All right. Yeah, I really love this movie. I love the director and his work. He's honestly just fucking a star in the industry. I can't wait to see the next big movie that he helms. Um, the other movie that he did was Annihilation not too long after this. and That is also another very good movie. Such a good movie. Um, a lot to talk about there, too. Uh, I, I love this movie. I love all of the actors in it. It's such a great piece on like what you can do with a very limited cast like if you have strong characters and strong actors you can do a lot and i think this shows that and it has an extremely strong script that i think is just aces it's maybe one of the best screenplays possible honestly like it's just it's solid this is probably one of the best uh two people talking in a room screenplays you could get yeah yeah honestly it's so good uh i really do love 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 this movie uh, nine point five. It's not perfect. There are some problems with it, but I I absolutely love it. Um, all right. E. Hello. People want to get a hold of us. Where do that at? We got a link tree. L i n k t r dot e e slash l o i p. Gives you a link to all our socials and all our listeners. All the O's you want. Cheerios <laughs> got them there. <laughs> that we got them. You can't prove us wrong unless you go to that link. Ha ha. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> You're like, hey, there's no Honey Nut Cheerios over here. And you're already there. <laughs> Manipulation. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have an email. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your favorite color. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if that. you're too old, fuck you. You can have a favorite color. There's not an age limit on it. <laughs> despite what Ex Machina says. Yeah. yeah, despite what Caleb says in Ex Machina. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb's a asshole. fucking asshole. <laughs> Caused the destruction of mankind. <laughs> Didn't get his dick touched. So. Didn't even touch his willy. Anyway, Robbie. <laughs> yes. Get us out of here. Okay. Open the door. <laughs> um, so, if you can, go out and get vaccinated. It is important. Make sure you, uh, you're safe out there. Make sure your car's not shot at. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Avoid all bullets. Yeah. If possible. Avoid bullets if possible. Also, don't shoot cars. Yeah, don't shoot cars. That's a fuck- dick thing to do. Yeah. I feel like that's a part of avoiding bullets, though, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah good point. <laughs> Anyways, try to stay six feet apart from each other. Wear a mask or whenever you go out and about. And wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. But if not, do what you can to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether this is the very first time that you've listened to us or you've been with us since the very beginning, Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you guys so, so much. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Robbie. E. Thank you, E. Sure. Thank Mimi. No. <laughs> Mima? <laughs> thank Mima from Perfect Blue? <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, guys. Hope you had a great week. Hopefully your next week is great as well. We will talk to you then. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.